you know, as a public health person, I would think that the goal that I would see to really stabilize the system and therefore make it less of a crisis issue when you get to have a pandemic uh, flu, which we know will, will again occur as was predicted, uh, even though they're rare events, they do occur, is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And, and what we foresee in the future is that influenza vaccine will be something that is essentially a routine vaccination for everyone. And if we then transition that into the universal vaccine, then you may only have to do that every couple of years and get people protected not only from seasonal flu, but from pandemic flu. In my mind, that's the end game. And that's good for the companies, too, because they're going to know and predict that every year the vast majority of the American population is going to get vaccinated, not having to guess will they or will they not this year or next year. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, January 27th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Very important information coming out today from a lot of different angles, really focusing in, as, as has been the case for the last couple of months, I think, weeks at the very least, on the pandemic of the injected. Now, there's different ways to look at this conversation, whether we're talking about the risk that's inherently there in the groups based on their categories and how many are in that category, which is a valid point to make, or just in general, what is actually driving the pandemic. Those are two different things, right? You could, you could make an argument that the risk may, there, may be higher for the unvaccinated, which I don't agree with. The data backs that up. But then also argue that the people actually driving what is continuing what they're calling the pandemic would be the people that are spreading it the most, which right now is undeniably people that are injected. In every, in every situation you're looking at cases, that's what it's showing you. Higher risk per 100,000 and the majority. Cases, but they go, well, they're expected because all of them are, in, are injected. Okay, that's their narrative, though. The reality is that paints a picture without any question what's actually driving this. Then we can talk about the risk, which we will, and show you yet again the information coming out from Scotland and the UK and Ontario and New South Wales. All these different places we've talked about show you the risk is, in fact, higher. In fact, we just talked about New South Wales coming out and saying the majority of the people in the ICU are unvaccinated. We should all get vaccinated. That same day, we look at the data, and guess what? The majority, in fact, the high majority, I forget what the total exact number was, 60%, I think, in the ICU, in that location, at that exact time, we're fully injected. They just, he's either just saying it because that's the narrative or he's lying to you. You have to decide that for yourself. But either way, the truth is not getting delivered. Now, we're going to go over a lot of important information today. I have about a two-hour window. I'm going to be joining Be Rich on After Hours Live at about 7 central time. I'm going to be waiting to hear from him in regard to letting me know that that's up and running. And we'll jump over there just right over so you guys hopefully can transition with us and keep watching us talk on other things after the show. But I have a lot to get into today that I'm going to try and condense down, specifically the pandemic of the injected. Germany coming out and telling us, oh, that whole thing, the pandemic of the injected, that was just a glitch, our, our mistake. Now, to be very clear, and we'll get into this more deep in the discussion, he's not saying this is fake or that this is not dangerous or that the unvaccinated aren't struggling. 
just to be clear, because that's how they're going to try to misrepresent what we're talking about. But he did very clearly address what is being discussed as the pandemic of the inject. He didn't use those terms, but it's the with and, and from and specifically a category of unvaccinated that are undefined that just get lumped in or a category of undefined that get lumped in with the unvaccinated, which turns out many of them were in fact injected. And we're going to get into that today. And the health minister minister of Germany is saying we made mistakes and it's not what we've been saying. The entire idea of the pandemic of the injected was, was of the uninjected in their terms was based on one of these kind of conversations. In fact, one of these, one of the earliest ones in a huge town. And then you find out that that exact same model is being used everywhere. Shocking, I know. The pandemic of the injected turns out to be, I keep, see, I keep saying that so often, the pandemic of the unvaccinated becomes the pandemic of the injected once you actually care to look into the information. We're going to talk about a couple of interesting things around the booster in regard to myocarditis and collapsing athletes if we have time to get to it towards the end. But we're going to start off today with a couple of foreign policy points as we've been doing. It's really important to keep this stuff in the, in the information flow. A great article, a sad, terrible article written by Robert Inlikesh today, and this is entitled U.S. and Afghanistan Sanctions. So sanctions being applied to Afghanistan by the U.S. government are starving one million children to death. Now, it's not hyperbole. That's exactly what they're saying. These people will be starved to death. They'll be you know, basically children in particular, a million, but along with a lot of other civilians in this country are suffering now. Why? Twofold, very easy. Read the article if you want more deep, deep, a deep dive into this. But understand that the U.S. government left, which it never should have been there to begin with. It's only chaotic because they're there. Then they left, and they took over a billion, or I, I don't, I don't want to dive into the article, billions of dollars from Afghanistan, just like they did everywhere else, like they did with Venezuela. It's not this, like they did in Iraq. I mean, this is just open theft. There's no way around that. At, at, I mean, by all, at all, by all rights, that should at the very least be the Taliban's if they're going to leave them in charge. But no, oh, they took it themselves. Then they also apply sanctions on these civilians. So for twofold, a situation they created, and then they said they're doing all this to protect those people, and then took two actions and that specifically highlights the children and the people suffering on the ground. I mean, how disgusting is that? Not only because they're doing it, but because they then stand back and go, we're doing it for the people, we're fighting for the people as they starve those people to death. Just like in Yemen, just like in, I mean, anywhere else you want to point that they're doing anything even remotely close to this. Iran went through a very, very severe starvation. I mean, they're still struggling with this stuff. This is what's happening. If you believe they're fighting for freedom, then this is what freedom looks like. Now, the bottom line is what they're going to try to do is make this look like that only happened because, well, you made us leave. and. Dense people will fall for that who are invested in the two-party paradigm. This is like this because of the U.S. government and all the rest of the governments that played a role in how this went down. And by the way, it's not over. That's the other point making this article is they're still there. Whether they want to claim they don't have boots on the ground, this is still completely occupied and controlled by the U.S. government because they need this as part of their massive supply chain in regard to what they're doing aimed at Iran in a lot of different directions. Please read this because what they're doing right now under the guise of doing a lot of other things because of COVID is just even worse than it's ever been, in my opinion. It is despicable. Now, on the top of that, here's another interesting conversation in regard to the Ukraine. U.S. warns Russian attack may be imminent. Well, we've been hearing this, right? This whole conversation, well, it might happen tomorrow. And then again, oh, then it may happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. 
So the point is they don't know. We're just hypothetically saying what could happen. <laughs> of course, we have intelligence that we don't get to see or define. And it's unnamed people from unnamed locations saying they've got inside information and we should trust them. Yeah, that's that's really panned out well from us. <laughs> it's like we can't think all the way back to WMDs and before or the thousand things happened in between. And yet the mainstream still somehow goes anonymous source says and we're going to report that because they're doing their due diligence. <laughs> now, if you think that's what's still happening today, I've got some what's the term some beachfront property sandfront property anyway the point is it's ridiculous to take at the word of the government that this is about to happen why in the world does that even make sense wouldn't you at least stand back and go well gee why would russia then go well i'm just gonna do it right on time then since they told everyone we're gonna do it i mean even if they were gonna do it wouldn't they then change it now it's just so silly this is completely coordinated and being contrived but here's the best part u.s warns russia may attack soon ukraine disagrees so, so the U.S. government is saying they're going to attack Ukraine. Ukraine's like, no, that's not that, that, that's not happening. And here we are. And yet we're still free. But here's the best part to make this very quick. And we talked about this recently. The whole discussion, the whole conversation about the of the Ukraine from the U.S. government's perspective or the U.S. The media perspective is childish. Obviously, the U.S. government completely regime changed this country. That a, a child could see how this went down. It's obvious. So basically, if, if you want to make this as fair as possible, the U.S. government is mad that Russia is trying to do exactly what the U.S. government has already done in this country and continues to try to do. So it's not about good or bad, right or wrong, moral or not. It's about interests, policy, and they try trying to. I mean, and then you could even take it a step further and argue that wouldn't Russia have more right to do these things with a country that's literally right alongside of it? Yes, they should. But who cares about any of that? Because Russia, bad guy, right, guys? We can all high five to that. Russia, bad guy, right? But the, here's the worst part about this. So that happens where Ukraine's like, no, that's I don't. That's not happening. That white supremacist, neo-Nazi, overtly white supremacist government that the U.S. government supports openly while pretending they're in a battle against white supremacy. Ukraine comes out disagreeing with the U.S. government claim about the invasion. So the U.S. and don't miss the the, the tie over here crossover. The U.S. government pivots their language to a Russian cyber attack instead. Fox News, U.S. believes Russia may soon launch cyber attacks against whatever else. Water infrastructure is what we're talking about, I guess. It's like, oh, we'll just, with that Russia there, oh, cyber attack, oh, look over there. None of this is rooted in anything you can even verify. It's basically narrative from people. Could be true. Could be. But how about we recognize how often the U.S. anonymous sources have panned out to be absolute garbage? And yet the media loves to take them up on it because that's their job. But pivoting their language, exactly what they talked about in regard to the up-to-date versus fully vaccinated, right? We're just going to pivot our language. So we're changing everything and pretending like it's, you know, this is insulting to your intelligence. But be on guard for the next thing they want to yell about. And if it does end up panning out into something, it'll probably be in my mind because it's useful in regard to making this thing go. I mean, look, if these things happen, we have to be clear about that. Can Russia carry out a cyber attack? Yes. Would they? Yes. Are they considering things like that in the context of their policy? I promise you. So too is the U.S. government. So too can the U.S. government. So let's stop pretending like this is anything abnormal. But it's what's ab what's ridiculous is the way that it's framed and the way that it's used in a crayon-like childish presentation, and it should make you upset. Now, another important part before we get into the opening of the, of the domestic and then COVID discussion this is from Judicial Watch. Now, we've already talked about this in the past, how the Postal Service, the obviously failing and decrepit and <laughs> falling apart Postal Service is being you know, propped up with your tax dollars for unnecessary reasons, is being used because they need to find a justification for it. Well, that was being used to spy on you, actually monitor your social media. Yeah, this Postal Service, because that makes perfect sense, right? 
here's a new update. And I'll, I'll probably follow back on this in, in a couple of different ways as this develops. But this is as of uh, very recently. I believe this was actually today. Months after Judicial Watch sued the U.S. Postal Service for information about a secret program that tracks and collects American social media posts, which, by the way, 100% verified and true, more of the agency's controversial spy mechanisms are now being exposed. These are Judicial Watch. These are FOIA requests. The newly uncovered tools are sophisticated hacking devices. Hacking devices. The U.S. Postal Service aiming them at you. Hacking devices that can breach cell phones. And the USPS's law enforcement's arm. Law enforcement, because we know how important it is that they can hack your phone, spy on you, and arrest people as the Postal Service. They've utilized them hundreds of times in the last few years, according to a news story that cites USPIS data buried in lengthy agency reports. The questionable surveillance schemes appear to indicate that the government is weaponizing the nation's Postal Service to improperly spy on the citizens who fund it. Yeah, because, you know, there's a proper way to spy on the citizens who fund it, right? (laughs) Good God, this is what your government thinks of you, that you're the enemy. And realize this isn't applied only to Trump supporters, for those still lost in the two-party paradigm, this is applied to Americans. Now, on that note, if you want to actually change the future being built in front of you, please check out The Greater Reset Part 3, which is underway right now. No, I didn't say The Great Reset, I said The Greater Reset. Derek Bros leading this charge, doing an absolutely fantastic job. Speakers such as RFK Jr. and and Catherine Austin Fitz and other great people speaking there. Um, Whitney and I both spoke at the last one. I'm planning on speaking at the next one. There's plenty more coming your way, but please check it out. This is about trying to find path, future paths that solve problems that don't go in the direction they're telling you is the only way to go. That are actually human-centric, right? About what works for you and what we actually want as they pretend there's no other choice. Also want to give a shout out to, uh, there at the DC protest, there were some people out there. This is shared by Media Monarchy. Actually, my assistant shared this with me. Protesting, this is Morgan Lesko protesting at the DC rally and holding up some cool signs with a lot of great stuff on it in, regard, in, in Media Monarchy, T-Lab, Corbett Report. So want to give a shout out for that. Had a great time protesting mandates today in the DC. Also shared some of my favorite media outlets. That's what we need more of, guys. Share the word, spread the word, right? So shout out to Morgan. Now, one quick note on this that I had to touch on because this story is absolutely absurd. Doesn't mean it still won't be used to play out into something. But as you may have seen, the truck carrying, this on January 21st, carrying 100 monkeys crashed in Pennsylvania, which, by the way, it just seems like such a strange, ridiculous thing I've never heard before. Like how often you have 100 monkeys being shit. I don't know. This just seems strange to me. But it says, and now some are missing and the truck's been on its way to a lab. As it updates more, it turns out it was a CDC lab and they were working on them with viruses. And it's like, this is like the buildup to every cheesy movie ever made. Women who, a woman who stopped to help the monkeys, because that just totally makes sense. In a truck crash is now feeling unwell. CDC urges anyone in contact with the monkeys to seek medical attention. So at this point, this was January 25th. People are going over the, I mean, it's, you know, and look, there's valid reasons to be like, is this literally going to be the next thing? Certainly could be. But as it turns out, at least so far, this is what it's panned out to be. Now it says, well, the woman who got sick after being exposed turns out, oh, it's just COVID. Don't worry. So all that that hype was nonsensical and for no reason if this is how it ends up. But two ways to look at this. One, it could be that this was all just to keep this in your mind about who knows and monkeys and dangerous and woman and animal stuff. Don't forget animal stuff. Don't forget animal stuff. It comes from animals and pangolins and bats. Don't forget that. Right. That's part of this for me. 
because I do not believe that's how this started. And I think the data backs that up. As plenty of experts said in the very beginning, there's n- in every possible way, the idea of zoonotical transfer has been shown to be false, in, at least in the context of COVID-19, but different conversation. So that is part of it. But also, how about this? This will, uh, somebody out there specifically will appreciate this. How about the idea, just hypothetically speaking, that this wasn't COVID and that this was something and that this was something that was seeded into this and now it's there and now it's going to be called COVID. Now, when this new variant pops up in a week, is it COVID? Is it something else? Was it intentional? I mean, these are all questions we should, could not be more valid in the what we know and how what we've seen, gain of function, research and whatever else willful testing on Americans throughout history. We need to realize this stuff is a valid concern. So if we see a variant break out from this and it's called COVID, maybe it's not, maybe it's something else. Maybe there's more crossover here with the you know, tuberculosis testing on these, mo- these monkeys and how this works. There's all these conversations out there I've been talking about with someone in particular. And I think it's interesting at the very least. But on that note, where I leave this, it feels like a complete hype to me, just made to get you to worry about things like this used as usual to keep these things on your mind. Oh, and don't forget, COVID's still there. You're in danger. Now, this part to start off with is something I really want to make a huge point about. This is really important to me because this is one of the biggest, it's, you know, I don't want to say one of the cruxes of the issue because that's not the right way. That doesn't make sense, but it's, it is definitely a very focused central part of how they are keeping people convinced that not only is it the right thing to do to demonize people that don't take an experimental injection in their body that don't need it, but also that it's they're the ones continuing to promote, they per- perpetuate the problem. None of that is even remotely backed up by the science. Here's Jeremy Vine on five, and this is some kind of, I mean, I, I, this is a, a blue check. Uh, it's a morning show of some kind or some kind of a news show, which if you can even call these kind of shows news shows anymore, it just seems like a bunch of, you know, (laughs) your friends, parents sitting around discussing things that have no idea what's going on. But it's interesting because this, this is what we're hearing everywhere right now. I'm not prepared to be treated by anybody who is not jabbed. Okay. We all hear this. We've all seen this, right? This is, you know, that you you shouldn't treat them if they're unvaccinated, right? Or that that child that's in the charity from the Ronald McDonald charity, kick them out because they don't have an injection, right? This is it's all justified. And that's being a good person by attacking these people who don't need this thing because you've decided it's the right thing to do, or rather because you blindly trust what the authority tells you is the right thing to do, right? Because that's virtue today. Well, let's dive into this a little bit. Well, let's finish what this says. Actually, I'll play the clip first. Well, not all of it, just the beginning, four minutes. And then I also recognize how funny it is that some people get to post long clips because they're allowed to. Should the government scrap mandatory jabs for NHS workers? There are warnings that thousands of healthcare staffs could lose their jobs. Well, spoiler alert, none of that. The, the show is do it, do it, bad people, bad people, right? It's, this is kind of giving you that we, we, we're, try, we're pretending to be objective and consider these questions when we don't even care about them at all. What they actually talk about is giving people who do this or don't do it, rather, badges that represent that they don't have something. We're actually there now. Remember that conversation of, or even people literally speaking up, who, who people that are saying, look, I was there, right? I existed during Germany in that time, and I know what happened, and this is worse, right? Whatever you think about that, the point is there are people like that out there that are saying that what we're dealing with now is worse than that. It's funny how that they don't want to talk about that because they're wait they can't they can't call them out can they because that oh you know it's it's so insulting. The reality is this is exactly where we are. Take a listen to this. 
it's it's good to give them more time. But I really think... Okay, just for clear to start off, more time. Like, So the people that have already said no like 47,000 times just need more time, don't they? Just give them another week. Maybe they'll say yes. I, think, I really think that unless there are medical reasons why certain members of staff cannot be jabbed, I think when you're working in the NHS and care homes, you really should get jabbed. And I think this is the way I would look at it. Those who haven't had jabs but could have jabs need to have a badge saying unjabbed. Really? Uh, yeah. And I would not be a, I would not let them treat me. So, so Okay, so that, that's the gist of it. You guys can watch this whole clip. So this is what's incredible to me. Not only are we saying we have to mark these people, make them overtly display what is their personal medical choice, which used to be something we cared about. We used to be against the law. Well, it still is, but we just pretend that doesn't matter today. Because, you know, danger, COVID, because do the right thing, so laws don't matter anymore. Well, here's the crazy part about this, right? Does that actually make sense? Is that actually logical? Is that actually scientific? Well, obviously the answer is no, and let me explain why. Okay, so she's saying, I'm not prepared to be treated by anybody who's not jabbed. <clears throat> so let's just take, there's two ways to look at this. First of all, let's just assume for the sake of conversation that she's in, she's got the injection. I'm pretty sure that's the case. But either way, we'll make it two, twofold here. So she has the jab, okay? She's in the hospital. She's sitting there some, and, and about to be treated for whatever. She doesn't want to be treated by somebody who doesn't have the jab. Now, first of all, I think the obvious point that needs to be made is that you're not inherently sick because you don't have the injection, right? It's incredibly unscientific, incredibly ignorant to just to, just pretend that anybody not with an injection is immediately sick. What about natural immunity? What about people? I mean, there's a thousand things we could dive into for why that shouldn't make somebody who can't get it because their bottom line is you're not. So that in and of itself is already, and this is what I keep saying at the beginning of this conversation, it's that easy to put it aside, but there's plenty more to get into. But right out of the gate, just be, I mean, that is not, isn't that discrimination? Isn't that in, in, in a million other things we used to pretend we cared about that you're just broad brushed, sick until proven healthy? They used to pretend that was crazy and this all started. That's literally where we are now. But they are pretending that if you're unjabbed, that you are sick. Or at the very least, that you're, pretend that you're able to get them sick, even though that's not true. Even within their narrative, you still have to get sick first to then be able to get them sick. Okay, so the risk is there, they would say. But if we know, which we do know, they've admitted to us, a jabbed person can catch it. Which is the very clearly why she's concerned. She's oh, I don't want to catch. Well, you're jabbed, right? You can catch it. We know that. You can also spread it. So, a person who gets infected, who has an injection, who has two injections, has three injections, has four injections, or even five, can still spread it. Can still catch it. This has all been proven. The five is no because we haven't gotten there yet, but we will. So, if the person who is jabbed can still catch and still spread it. Why are you worried about the jab versus the unjabbed person? They can both give it to you, right? Okay, well, what might they say? Well, the, then the, the jab person will have less symptoms, right? So maybe oh, they, it's less, not as easy to spread, but that's not true. Because even if they got reduced symptoms, we've already shown, and even Fauci admitted this, that they have an increased viral load, or they can at the very least, and that's very frequent, which means they have a higher chance of spreading it, which, by the way, is completely backed up by the data we'll get into next. That's what's important to understand here. So here she is saying, I don't want anybody on jab to touch me. But wait a minute. It's very clear by the data 
that the people who are injected with this have a higher chance of transmitting the virus. Even if you pretend the risk is lower, we'll even give you that, even though I don't think that's the case. The point is that these people are still have a higher chance of getting that person sick. So if she's sitting there as an un, as a jab person in the hospital and two people walk up, the person who has the injection in their body has a higher chance of getting that person in the hospital bed sick, even if it's going to be less. That's backed up by data in the United Kingdom, Scotland, Canada, the United States, and many more. Their only argument is, well, of course, because there are so many injected people. So they're admitting it. But in a context of, but the risk is lower. But that's not what we're talking about here, are we? We're talking about whether it makes sense for her to say, I don't want a jab person touching me or getting near me or treating me. There's nothing that backs this up scientifically. Now, remember, the cases we're talking about in the UK, Scotland, Canada, US, and plenty of other places, not only the majority of cases, Scotland specifically, which we'll get into the new report today, the majority of cases, the majority of hospitalizations, the majority of deaths on the side of the fully injected. And the boosted, we'll get into that today, but also the risk per 100,000. I don't know why this can't break through to people. Even this, this guy Groucho online is just still going at it. My good God, man. It's very, very simple. The risk is higher in every category and the majority is in the, I mean, there's no way to misunderstand that unless you just choose to be dense and not recognize that in Scotland, which is the only place we're talking about in that conversation, this shows you that that, that challenges everything we're being told. Just posting what LA says has no bearing on that point in the conversation because we're talking about Scotland. Now, could it be that Scotland is wrong somehow? Sure. I'm not saying this. The point is that nobody wants to address how that makes sense or the UK or the other places we talk about. Then ask why, with all of that being said, it is in any way more dangerous to get infected. Actually, I should have had you guys should have been able to see me while I'm doing this instead of looking at her face. But ask yourself, is it any more, any way more dangerous for her or whoever it is, the person sitting there with the injection in the hospital bed to get infected by an unjabbed person? Right? Because we've established that both of them can give it to you. In fact, we've established that the data backs up and what even Fauci's admitted, the injected person has a higher chance to get you infected. Then if their only argument would be I would rather be infected from an unjab person or a jab person versus an unjab person. That would have to imply that you're getting something different somehow. But that also doesn't scientifically make sense at all. Even if you want to pretend the unvaccinated are the ones mutating the virus, that would be a, the idea would be that it would be a rare circumstance for that one person to be the one that had a virus, the mutation. And then suddenly the idea is ridiculous, not, not impossible. But also then recognize that the data backs up, as we've endlessly reported, that the I, how these things actually mutate have historically been shown long before COVID to be caused by things like a leaky vaccine, which is exactly what this is today. And the continual use of vaccines and the continued use of, I mean, there's a lot of different things that have nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> Just a person being there and getting sick, which does have an effect, but a very long period of time in regard to mutation. So all of this being said, the idea is simply irra it's irrational for her to sit there and say, nobody should touch me who's unjabbed because they might get me sick. Well, so too can the vaxxed. They might get me more sick. Well, no, that's incorrect. They might give me something different. That's not scientifically factual, but that's what they believe. They believe that you're inherently sick. They believe that you're the only one that can get them sick. And they believe that what you give them is something different somehow. None of this is backed up by the science. And yet we're the ones being told to trust the science. 
Then, on top of all of that, consider that the people who are jabbed, based on the Swiss policy research, scientific study, as well as plenty of others, have shown that the people who are jabbed have a potentially 50% increased risk of catching COVID in the first nine days. That's more than the unjabbed. Increased risk in the first nine days. That's in addition to what we just reported. Then they have an overall dysregulation of their immune system in 50% of cases who take the injection. And after 90 days, their risk is increased by 75% for those taking Pfizer. Now, people that want to just dismiss this stuff out of hand because they don't like the way it sounds might like to look at the research from Pfizer, which literally shows a 76.5% increase after 90 days with Omicron if you take Pfizer, which is why they're selling you on the third dose and the fourth dose, right? Because we'll get it before three months. So ask yourself this, the people that got Pfizer took two shots and have now had longer than six, three months, they have a dramatically increased risk of getting sick. Even Moderna has a 39.3% increased risk after 30 days or three months, excuse me. This has been there. They don't care. They just keep pushing the next one and the next one. The reality being, all of that being combined, it's impossible to pretend that that unjabbed person is the actual risk whether for the person on the bed or for themselves. Now, this is not even to mention the risk of myocarditis, which is exponentially increased both for, I mean, it's across the board. That's that in regardless of whether they want to argue that there's an increased risk of myocarditis after getting COVID, which by the way, is as far as I can tell by the data, not even the, they're arguing it's higher, but the data shows me otherwise. But regardless of that, You have to get COVID first to then have that risk, which is a low risk for most people to get COVID, let let alone die from. But the point is you give the injection to a child that has a low risk of COVID, you guarantee them the risk of myocarditis, the increased risk. But all that's not to mention the risk of myocarditis, blood clots, heart attack, prions disease, neurological disorders, Bell's palsy, VITT, vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, or death, as well as a litany of other things that has been admitted to whether fringe rare or not. That is not even including all the side effects of the, you know, that are caused by things like the loss of killer T cells, right? Things like cancers, infections, right? That generally make somebody, you know, more sickly in just a general sense, which then could also be spread to people, right? These are all things that need to be considered in the larger discussion of whether or not this is damaging your overall health. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up but what we're seeing in the laboratory after people get these shots, we're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T-cells that you want in your body. It's almost a, re- a reverse HIV. In HIV, you lose your helper T-cells, your CD4 cells. In this virus post-vaccine, what we're seeing is a drop in your killer T-cells, your CD8 cells. And what do CD8 cells do? They keep all other viruses in check. What am I seeing in the laboratory? I'm seeing an uptick of herpes family viruses, I'm seeing um, herpes, I'm seeing shingles, I'm seeing mono, I'm seeing a huge uptick in human papillomavirus uh, in the cervical biopsies and the cervical pap smears in women. In addition to that, there's a, a little infectious you know, bump that kids get called molluscum contagiosum. What do you need to keep that in check? You need CD8 uh, killer T cells. I am seeing a 20 times increase in individuals over the age of 50 of this little bump in rash. 
Um, you know, that's innocuous, but it, what it tells me is the immune status of these individuals who have gotten the shot. We're literally weakening the immune system of these individuals. Now, most concerning of all is there's a pattern of these types of immune cells in the body that keep cancer in check. Well, since January 1, in the laboratory, I've seen a 20 times increase of endometrial cancers over what I see on an annual basis. Now, I've, I've played that clip many times. It goes on to just describe a lot of other things. Now, this has been backed up by scientific research, plenty of other doctors, right? So to end on this point of this woman saying that, it, you know, that this is dangerous, I think it's pretty obvious that it's the exact opposite. This person has a clear situation, whether we're talking about the dysregulation of their immune system, whether we're talking about the initial increased 50% risk within the first nine days of getting COVID, or the general 50% dysre- 50% of cases of the dysregulation of the immune system in general, or the 75% increase after 90 days of getting sick in general, all of that with this weird middle ground where you claim you can't get sick, but that's ignoring all the other side effects it can cause, they're just generally more sickly because it's increasing the risk of other things. So catching other illnesses. And then think about the fact that at the end of the day, this is increasing the risk of illness for both those people and those around them, i.e. the uninjected, right? Jabbed people can infect the uninjected. Why does that not matter? Why is that not a conversation point? <clears throat> Why are we not discussing whether or not it's unsafe for an injected person to come up? You know, see what I mean? Like, it's obvious that that's the case. It's very clear that it's possible that it's not even possible that it's more likely they can spread it. Then on the final, final point, what about spike protein shedding? What about all the other things we've talked about in regard to how this can be spreading something else on top of everything else we just discussed? But yeah, lady, let's pretend like you're the one that's in danger because of somebody who did nothing. Think about that. Now, to make this point all the more clear, this something—I mean, even more so because of my assistant sent me the GoFundMe. We'll talk about in a second. That just broke my heart. This is a really disgusting situation. We talked about the Ronald McDonald charity kicking that child out, right? Here's a Boston patient who who was removed from a heart transplant list for being unvaccinated. Right. So here she is going, I don't want them touching me. And this is this is people who arguably right are completely protected, they claim, because they're all injected. And this guy sitting there with nothing they're in, in a controlled environment. Is going to be he is removed from this situation that he needs because he doesn't have an injection like they're arguing that mean that's putting them at risk again. How is that even scientific? How is he in a controlled environment in a hospital that's that's supposed to be the most sanitary location? Surrounded by people that are injected, even remotely a risk to anybody. He's been in there this whole time. It's not, it's not pretend like he's just going to all of a sudden. I mean, the, what we do know behind it all, my comment there is that they're one of the highest transmission locations are in these hospitals, but that's not what we're supposed to think. The bottom line is this is not scientific at all. This is punitive. They are attacking this person because he's making a choice for himself. Now, let's get into this even further because this is going to make you sick. He doesn't have a choice. They're making this choice, even though his choice is impossible. And you'll see what I mean. As I said, this is not, well, here, let's do this first. I'm going to read what I have to say about this after you hear this part. Here is their GoFundMe. Please, please help them out. I've rarely even advocate for people, but this is, these are people that need your help. But I, it grosses me out that somebody will go on there and, you know, create a GoFundMe for some politician that's being, you know, like a Kavanaugh situation, and they'll make $10 million which even when they don't need it, first of all, because they're in these elitist circles, 
And it's a two-party paradigm, nonsensical, but they make all this money. This is the, these are the kind of people that need your help. Read the, so you understand what's going on in general. But here, just this update is what you need to hear. After running countless tests and scans, we learned that DJ is now in severe end-stage heart failure, meaning that he is going to need a heart transplant to live. This is the person they just took off. They just removed him. On top of the heart failure, his heart is extremely swollen and dilated. This is before any potential injection, which puts him at high risk of cardiac arrest. He was accepted to the candidate as a candidate for her heart transplant. The bad news is after being accepted, the transplant board, individuals with their own political agendas, will not, are choosing to not list him due to his vaccination status. So they're literally saying, get an injection that will potentially, and we all know it's a huge discussion, increase the inflammation of your heart at a time when that's the exact problem, that his heart is already swollen and dilated, and they're going to make him get a shot that could kill him. Otherwise, they're going to kick him off something that he needs to live. That is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Let's not mince words here. They've admitted that myocarditis is a thing. So how can you literally say, take this thing that could kill you, that could cause the very thing that you're trying to stop, otherwise will not give you the thing you need to live? I mean, that's not, it's, I mean, in, in, a, in a macabre way, it's almost comical. It says the vaccine typically causes swelling. This is her comment as the wife. The vaccine typically causes swelling in the heart, usually temporary for most people. So no big deal, right? Think, I mean, this is her trying to advocate for people that are already calling her an anti-vaxxer just for making these statements. And she's wrong, by the way, in that one part. The vaccine typically causes swelling in the heart, usually temporary, no big deal. Fake, false. There's no such thing as not serious swelling of the heart. That's ridiculous. As we've said before, even mild cases of myocarditis can increase your risk of mortality by 56% in the next 10 years. That's a, that's a huge 20-year study that found that. Or excuse me, that was the, the peer-reviewed myocarditis study. The bottom line is, no big deal, right? Obviously, that's what the mainstream is telling people. That's not true. But she goes on to say, but in DJ's case, he cannot afford for his heart to swell any more than it already is right now. He is ex extremely high risk of sudden death if he does. We have many, have had many conversations with the doctors. So experts, doctors are saying, you can't take this shot. They've confirmed, they've confirmed with him and her that his heart could swell and go into severe crisis. If he takes a shot, but they can't guarantee anything. And it's a choice we will have to make if he wants to be listed. So understand that the doctors are saying this shot could kill him. Meanwhile, the board who knows that is saying, take the shot or we're not going to save his life. That's politics. These are disgusting people acting like good people, right? Think about that on a board who decides who gets to live in many cases with children. And these are the kind of people that are there. Two nights ago, DJ's visit vitals started to crash out of nowhere, and they had to insert an emergency heart pump. This pump is essentially assisting his heart to pump 24-7 right now, but it's usually only effective for about two weeks. Think about that. A couple, you know, half a week into a two-week lifespan here. When you're on this particular pump that he's now on, it pushes you to the top of the transplants list, except when you're not currently on it because they don't like your political stance. 
They pulled him off the list. He just got something that usually kicks you to the top no matter what on a list of people that are all dying. And yet they don't give it to him because vaccine status. She says, we are literally in a corner right now. This is extremely time sensitive. Time sensitive. We're being pressured to choose a shot that could kill him. This is not just a political issue. People need to have a choice. Now, what's really sad is her in here trying to go, guys, stop. You know, you guys don't understand. Like, stop it. There are people that are calling her a bad person because of what she's saying right here. So we are devastated. We can't even process this. Here's the worst part. She says, I haven't even found the courage to sit down with my son and explain what is happening to his father. Explain that we're being pushed into a situation where he's going to die because we won't do something that's going to kill him. I cannot even start to describe the pain we are all going through. Yeah. How virtuous of you, hospital in Boston. You're such good people. I mean, this is horrific to me. As I said, this is not only spiteful, vindictive, and wildly unscientific, based on the first thing we just discussed, right? It's simply cruel. That's what we're left with after the integrity purge, which is what it was, a purge of the integrity of the people with integrity. We are left with a sociopathic, selfish, and power-hungry, masquerading, pun intended, as good people, and hiding their villainy behind a claim of doing the right thing. Disgusting. This hospital should be called out. It just, it just breaks my heart. But all that said, the reality is that it's the very narrative that's been spun to make that make people pretend that that's virtue is all falling apart in front of you right now. And those of you watching the show, you've known this what, eight months ago. As I tweeted out today, the pandemic of the unvaccinated was caused by a computer glitch. Says the health ministry of German, of Germany, excuse me, the health minister of Germany, Karl Lauterbach. But we can be sure Walensky and the CDC will triple down on this verifiable falsehood. Well, let's start here. Note, by the way, which I'll talk about briefly in a second. I didn't, it's interesting they call this the 2G and they're now going up to 3G. So if they go to five shots, what will that be called? Hmm. But oppressive COVID measures for the unvaccinated were based on software error, claims German minister. Now, by the way, I'm not implying that even means anything necessarily. I just find it interesting, the timing of it and the court, the crossover. It's like just weird, sort of like all the other things that build back better and green passes. A lot of this overlapping. It could mean nothing, but could mean something. The pandemic of the unvaccinated was caused by a computer glitch. That was the conclusion of the health minister of Germany after months of vilifying the unvaccinated in the nation's second largest city, Hamburg. Now, Again, to be clear, he's not arguing that this is not that there aren't that they're to be clear, they're still advocating that you should get the shot, and that's the best thing you can do. But at simultaneously admitting that what they've been reporting to you is an absolute misrepresentation at the very least, if not an outright crime. And you'll see why. Because this 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 is the same thing we were kind of circling around the last show. They don't know the full picture of the unvaccinated. So they're they're guessing airing on the side of what works for them. On top of that, having a category that we also keep pointing at, pointing at recently, the unconfirmed category. And having it dumped into the uninjected, even though they don't know. And then finding out that that category was mostly injected. Oops. In November 2021, news outlets reported on the increasing incident numbers in the city. Now remember, November 2021, and even going back further in the middle of that period, I forget what it was when Walensky came out with her pandemic of the unvaccinated. 
it all stems around the same kind of time and it all stems from the same misrepresentation of information. Whether we're talking about the hospitals with and from and all this on and on. What you'll notice throughout all of this too is that we're not discussing the idea of natural immunity and all the other conversations are completely left off the table. We'll get into that more in a second. But news outlets reported on the increasing incident numbers in the city where the figure grew from 111.6 infected people per 100,000 to 160 per 100,000 in the span of a few days. By the end of November, that number shot up from 209.2 to a record of 223.3. All right, so they go, oh my gosh, look at that, it's spiking. So just they're pointing at that and saying we were wrong. Here's why. The ostensibly drastic increases have been used to legitimize new COVID policy measures in the city. Oh, shocking. First which is interesting, again, 2G, vaccinated or recovered, status limitation was announced in order to enter shops, restaurants, and clubs. Social contact limitation was mandated for the unvaccinated, which was never made any sense, by the way, with everything we know. After the order, Mayor 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 Peter claimed to observe an increase in vaccination numbers and implied it was the only way out of the pandemic. These people used this. Which is, by, in my opinion, whether the health minister was aware of it or not, they, there's no way at all this was an absolute accident. At some level, somebody knew they were leaning into what worked. Now, what's important, and we'll show you the mainstream article next, an investigation from mainstream German press, Welt, one of them, newspapers, has found that the numbers in Hamsburg's social services department were drastically skewed. And in most cases, they didn't even know who was vaccinated and who was not. Which, by the way, that's how that should end it. But no, they just chose to lump it into the side that worked for them. No point is that not dishonest. Sorry, use double negative. This, however, did not stop them classifying everyone with an unknown status as unvaccinated. Indeed, by the end of November, a whopping 70% of the positive cases has unknown status. 70%. That is how you lie with statistics. In the second week of November, the mayor of Hamburg held a press conference and incorrectly claimed, like we've heard from every other politician, that 90% of all new infections were amongst the unvaccinated. And the point being, the mayor was wrong. Did they know they were wrong? Well, that's what you should be asking right now. We know, we know in some cases they did know that, just like when the CDC got caught lying about the, the position. In addition, he alleged the seven-day infection average for the unvaccinated was 605 per 100,000 and just 22 per 100,000 in the vaccinated. Furthermore, the Welt newspaper received the following answer regarding the classifications from the Hamburg Senate. Quote, the categorization that's being used in Hamburg matches the ones used nationwide. Look at that. Now, this tweet is right here, by the way, so you can look through, and this is, I will read that in a second and show you, there's interesting things that are said there. Until this weekend, the data on how the classifications are made and how the final numbers are calculated have not been made public. The mayor claimed by the end of December that the reason for the misclassifications were caused by deploying, quote, different IT systems, where each system used different classifiers. On January 17th, Health Minister Carl Lauterbach had said the following, quote, with the situation in Hamburg, I can claim without a doubt that the problem wasn't an automatic classifier of the software. The problem is solved now, and it was a mistake and was not done on purpose in order to largely blame the unvaccinated for the pandemic. Just so we're very clear about what's being stated here. Germany's COVID measures targeting the unvaccinated were introduced in November 2021 and have used these two major data mismanagements as basis for legitimacy. Now, recognize those are still going. 
right now. Just like other situations we've seen where the things fall apart, yet weirdly the mandates continue. The mask mandate, just on, a, on an uh, opaque argument of just unknown danger. If you're admitting right now that this has been used to push in the mandates, those should go away instantaneously. But they're not. All they need is some hype of something new that's undefined, a new thing tomorrow that we don't know could be, and everything stays. Sort of like the emergency authorization in general that stays because of the ongoing consequences, which could mean whatever they want it to mean. Bottom line here, they're telling you, here's the mainstream report from Germany, vaccination status of those infected is often unclear. They don't know. And to read this from something, and arguably, yes, this is pretty a partisan outlet. This is what the mainstream is saying. During research, journalists from Welt tried to find out how many corona cases the vaccination status is known at all. Her suspicion was the cases in which the authorities do not know the status are listed as unvaccinated. The suspicion was substantiated. It turned out, in most cases, the Hamburg social authorities actually do not know whether someone is vaccinated or not, and yet they nonetheless dump this in unvaccinated. It was not clear in almost 70% of the corona cases where the, whether the infection, infected person was vaccinated or not. Nevertheless, they were counted in the group of unvaccinated. It's pretty damn clear. Now, last part in this right here, even with the hospitals, and this goes on to make it even more clear, so it's not just cases, hospitalizations as well. The information is incomplete, which allows them to lie with statistics in the way that they would like, if you believe that's what they're doing. It's just possible is all I'm saying. I do believe that's what's happening. The vaccination status of at least one third, 33% of all hospitals, hospital patients couldn't be specified. 33%, that's enough to sway anything you're looking at. Anything which is also evident from the Senate response to the question from uh, the member of parliament. This fact is dramatic because according to the Senate, hospitals have been obligated, obliged to collect and report the numbers since mid-July. Yet 33% of, those of the information is undefined and yet it's still being represented as one or the other. Yes, this is what we need to understand. Now, in case you just want to think the mainstream is lying, which happens all the time. You think this partisan paper is lying, which happens all the time. Here is where he says it verbatim, which you know I do for you guys. Not just reporting what the media says to report or what they tell me is the truth or what CDC says the truth, but because we go to the source material so you can hear it from the horse's mouth. Now, this is on, for those in the podcast, it's the subtitles are beneath it and it says exactly what we just read, but for those watching, here's where he says it. Probleme, die es gab bei der Aufbearbeitung der Fallzahlen. Und ich glaube, die Probleme sind gelöst. Das ist also mein Verständnis also der Situation in Hamburg. Ich habe mit Peter Tschentscher darüber gesprochen. Er konnte das also problemlos erläutern, dass es dort schlicht und ergreifend eine automatische also Softwarezuweisung gab, die nicht stimmig war. Das Problem ist gelöst, konnte sofort gelöst werden. Das war ein Versehen, aber das war, das muss man klar sagen, keine Absicht. Hier war nicht die Absicht dahinter, dass man quasi den Ungeimpften einen größeren Teil der Pandemie zuschiebt, als also belegt werden konnte. Also das war schlicht und ergreifend ein Fehler in dem System und das sofort now you guys, you guys can go on watching it. You can see that's clearly what he's getting into. And he goes on to discuss it a little more in depth and basically makes the case repeatedly that, oh, it's just an accident. And you can be sure that it was an accident. I don't know. It could be. I, you know, I find it hard to believe. But here's an interesting thing to think about in the context of the Great Reset. 
right? What are we constantly talking about with what they're, what are they saying they want to build and what do they do, right? Automated future, right? Everything's, everything's automated and you own nothing and you've never been happier and everything's done, right? What he's discussing right there is auto software. He's saying that they, so instead of, and this may be a little too simplified of a, of a breakdown, but instead of thinking for yourself, instead of diving into this, using software that does it for you, and the software was incorrect. Now, could that have been a mistake? Sure. Now, even in that context, you have to realize that that's exactly why it's a problem to over-rely on things like that when, and not have a human aspect to it. But then you could also realize that it could have been an intentional accident. And maybe he didn't see it. Maybe he's part of it. Either way, this is what we're trying to show you about where they're going with the Great Reset Built Back Better. That kind of system is easily manipulatable from the top down. People that control the system can do whatever they want. It's omnipotence, which is what they're going for. Now, we have to think about that. That's where all this is driving toward. Now, oh, and this, oh, that's right. This last part was, this is shared from, uh, a, this was a reporter and journalist in the EU saying, just found in the emails. These are, and this backs up even more what they just discussed. In response to my Welt request, he was requesting to the, new, to the mainstream outlet, which is what we're, we're reporting on this was reporting on this, a spokesman for the Senate explained that nationwide incidences were determined as in Hamburg. Again, confirming that they're doing this all across the country. At the same time, it is now claimed it was at this point in time that people began to investigate how the calculations were done. Right, when people started paying attention, right? That's the crazy part. This is just an excerpt from this, which uh, I think there was one more part I was going to read. In response to my very first inquiry, the Social Security authorities claimed that they knew the number of fully vaccinated people from the total number of infections. But again, as it turns out, they didn't. So they were lying. Another addendum, since I read something wrong, interpretations of my opinion of the comments, I think the statement that this would be done nationwide is purely a, pr a protective claim, in my opinion. HA simply had no explanation ready for what they were doing at the time of inquiry. So he's basically saying it could have just been that they lied because they're afraid of it. Either way, they're liars. Right? That's what we need to see. Government will say whatever they need to say. Either way, the bottom line, the pandemic of the, un the unvaccinated argument, at the very least in Germany, is dissolving in front of you. They're going, yep, yeah, it was wrong. We made a mistake. But here we have over in the United States, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the argument based in nothing but narrative. Now, quickly, just to point this out, I'll include this link. Here's just, so you can see 2G. Now it's this 3G rule comes into force across Germany. Keep an eye on this. Somebody out there. Interesting to see if this actually ends up being, you know, 5G rule. It'd just be a weird kind of overlap there. Interesting nonetheless, but something to think about. Not that I actually think that really means anything, but it could just be something that's been seeded to get us to think a certain way. But bringing this back into the point, here is a report that you're going to find all over the place from places that are willing to report on this. So not mainstream media. Well, this is International Business Times. 277 fully vaccinated Indiana residents have died of COVID-19 in three weeks. Just in Indiana. But super, super rare, though, you know, doesn't matter how many that is doesn't matter if it was the entire location that was fully injected. That does not back up with what they keep telling you is super rare. It just doesn't. Now, it says breakthrough deaths in Indiana represent 0.038 percent of fully vaccinated individuals. Now, right out of the gate, by the way, we should ask, is that the truth? Is that actually what's happening after we're seeing stuff like this? After we're seeing them continually get caught lying and misrepresenting and now go, shifting from two dose compared to none and to, instead and hiding two doses now pointing to three and none and acting like that's the, they're, they're playing with this in every way they can to hide what's happening right in front of you. 
So if I don't know why we would take anything at face value if we know that they're playing with the fully vaccinated versus up to date, if they're combining one shot and the other and, and with unvaccinated, if they're taking the unconfirmed and dumping that into vaccinated, there's all these different ways they could play with this, which we've caught all of those things in different locations. So again, could that be true? Could be. But I don't know why we would take it at face value when there's that many ways they're lying to you. But the number of breakthrough infections, number aside, guess what? People in va- vaccinated getting sick increased by 106,000 over the past three weeks. 74.3% of all cases were caused by the Omicron variant. But again, I'll touch on this in a second. I don't know where this ended up. For those in the podcast, this on December 28th, the CDC came out and said, oops, we're wrong. It wasn't 73% of Omicron cases. It was actually only 23. So only 23% of the country's Omicron. 50% drop because we made a mistake guessing. So how, how does it jump from that and then right back into it's all Omicron, right? I mean, I just that, that didn't miss a beat. It went from it's only 23 our mistake to like three days later being Omicron everywhere, 90%. Did they just miss that? Right? Did the narrative just skip over it? And they just pretended they didn't say it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand how that happened, but it just doesn't. It it just shows how there's nothing but narrative going on. More than 270 fully vaccinated residents in Indiana have died of COVID-19 over the past month. Between December 31st and January 20th, 2022, Indiana health officials reported 277 new breakthrough cases that ended up in death. The latest figure brings the state total. Of those deaths among the fully vaccinated to 1,367. During the three-week period, the number of breakthrough COVID infections also increased by 106,000. The number bringing Indiana's total number of cases among the fully injected to 218,793 from 112,773. At least a 6% of the state's vaccinated population has now tested positive for the virus. Now, we also have to factor in as we get into the numbers next that the idea is that you're only just to show this real quick again, this is the last week's report. When you're getting into this discussion, you're only comparing cases or deaths or hospitalizations of people that are sick with COVID, they say, right? We're not including people that have blood clots or heart attacks or any number of other things that are happening after that because that's happening, right? And that should be included, especially if we're comparing the risks here, right? But it's only in this context. We have to consider that. But before we jump into that, here is another situation. So we're talking about a lot of people that are vaccinated having problems, but this is another part of this that no one's talking about. We saw this in multiple locations now get pointed out. This already happened in the UK, right? I mean, this is a separate, us is in, in NHS talking about this, but there was another part, discussion where this already came out where they said, we don't understand. Oh no, no, excuse me. That was Australia where they came out and said, there's the hospitals are overrun with non COVID cases. And they're clear. They're like, look, here are the COVID cases, and that's not what's happening here. So why can't, with this happening, with everything else we're discussing, are we really pretending like we can't put this together? Sure, sure, sure. We know for sure it can't be the injection because that's what narrative says, right? Will NHS panic as mortuaries fill with thousands of non-COVID deaths? And this is, this is before, this is the end of 2021. But we have to ask ourselves, how are we not reflecting on this? Because it's only gotten worse since then. British mortuaries filled with over 10,000 extra bodies over the last 18 weeks, all of which are non-COVID related. This was before Omicron. Then we got Omicron. Then we have a dramatic increase in the cases and transmission of the injected. We need to ask ourselves, what's actually happening here? 
figures from the ONS suggest that over the last four months, England and Wales registered 20,000 more deaths than the five-year average of the past 18 weeks. Seriously? 20 more deaths than the five-year average in the last 18 weeks? Only 11,531 deaths involved COVID. Only 11,000. It means that around 45% of the recent deaths were related to other causes. Over the normal. Nobody cares about that. Ask yourself why that is. Do we not care to dive in to find out what actually, what's different lately? What has we done differently this year? Nobody cares, at least in the mainstream. Well, let's dive into the actual data from Public Health of Scotland that continues to show you week after week after week that not only are the majority in Scotland, only what we're talking about right now is Scotland, the majority of cases, the majority of hospitalizations, the majority of deaths are all on the side of the fully injected and in most cases, the booster as well. Then in a separate conversation, the risk per 100,000 is more for the fully injected and the booster in most cases for the for those with two in the fully injected and booster versus the uninjected that's it, it, i don't know why that's not people will it's almost like they can't understand it because it doesn't make sense if the risk is higher and the majority is higher in the fully injected i think that's pretty clear either there's a big mistake happening here and they're adding things wrong or they're 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 lying in their own way or this is a reality that we're being hidden for, that it's being hidden from us in other places you come up you come to your own conclusions this is what public health of scotland is reporting now in the interest of time i'm not going to add these up like i have in the past i will do that because i'm keeping a running tally but just really quickly to break this down first on cases oh this hold on excuse me we're up on we got to go to cases here so here we are with cases case rate per 100,000 first of all Here's unvaccinated. Here's two doses. By the way, in Scotland, they're still calling two doses fully vaccinated. Okay. So that's what you should compare with the context of their narrative and the news and everything else. So just those two, first of all, it's almost impossible to miss. You have an outrageously higher number in every sense for each week, right? You can just, just by a quick glance, you can tell that the majority is aggressively on the side of all of these combined one dose, two dose, and three dose. I mean, it's like 85, 90% on the side of the injected in general, but just comparing unvaccinated versus or uninjected versus injected with two, look at each week, 900, 998,000 versus 1,524,000. Next week, 988,000 versus 1,122,000. So the number is higher in, in every category, every one of them. Then you can go down to the risk per 100,000, which is what they're telling you is all that matters. Well, take a look. This is exponentially higher. Just cases still, but the first week, the risk is 966 per 100,000. For two doses, the risk is 2,549 per 100,000. I mean, you're, you're at a 2.5 time increased risk. You have a 2.5 times increased risk of getting sick if you have two doses in your body. That's what that tells you right there. Then glance over at the booster dose. And this is the important part here. Look at, I mean, just for those on the podcast, it's every single category. Every single one of them is higher. Your risk is exponentially higher if you have an injection, one no dose versus two. But their whole argument is that the three, three, the third dose is that's what does it, right? The third dose, you get the third one and you're good. Except that's obviously not true. Here's the reports. The, look, the, I mean, the, the numbers are ridiculous. You have the highest amount of numbers. You have a tripling, more than triple risk of right now. You have a more than a triple risk of getting sick in Scotland. If you have the booster triple, 
900,000 compared to 3 million. There's no misunderstanding that, especially when you look at the risk per 100,000. Right now, let's just take the let's take the first week for example. 966 per 100,000, no injections, risk of getting sick. Three doses, your risk is 1,526 per 100,000. Your risk is obviously higher. Okay, to not waste too much time on this, the reality is that even the booster is collapsing in front of you in regard to just keeping the pandemic going. They're the ones spreading it. Your risk of getting sick is exponentially higher, and we know that they can spread it better with higher viral load and all the other risks that go along with that. The data in Scotland is undeniable, but nobody wants to look at it. Now, am I saying that guarantees it's like this everywhere else? No, I'm not. I'm simply saying Scotland's data shows you unequivocally this is not working. Then we should ask why it seems different in certain places. Going to the next part, here's hospitalizations. And this is where it gets important because their argument has always been, well, of course, you're going to see all the cases because they're all all vaccinated, but not that you'll see the majority and the risk higher in the vaxxed for hospitalizations and deaths. Unvaccinated first versus just two doses. The numbers higher in every single category, right? I mean, every week to week, unvaxxed versus two doses is higher number wise. 1,100,000 versus 1,500,000. And in some cases, you can see the risk per 100,000 jumping up a little bit above. Like first week, it's 57 versus 43, 43 being two doses. But then the next week, it goes 45, no injections, 45 per 100,000 to 63 per 100,000 in two doses. So averaging it up, again, it comes out to a higher risk, two doses versus one. At the very least, it's going back and forth. So it's not all the risk on the side of the uninjected. They're just lying to you about that, at least in Scotland. It's right there. We have to see that. Now, the real point to, to break this down, as I've said many times, is that you you add up one, two, and three doses, and the risk, or excuse me, the, in general, and you recognize that the risk is exponentially higher for those that have doses in their body at all. I mean, there's no way to misunderstand that. Now, real, and then here's the bigger. Now, the percentage risk per hundred thousand, they they say that the risk is lower right now for hospitalization. But I do think with this, their hospitalization, not the cases, takes longer to develop. Remember, we've talked about this, The because the, this is why the two doses are exploding now in the sense, because this is have time for people to, I mean, t- talk about the concepts of the blood clots and the spike proteins and the time it takes to create these things. Talk to Dr. Bhakti, Dr. Uh, Yeadon, different ones that have discussed this. So I strongly believe if these numbers mean anything back here on cases in regard to the third dose, showing you the explosion in the third dose booster shots, we're going to see the same thing correlate in a month or two months in regard to the hospitalizations. And then from there, deaths in the same way. Mark my words. But the point here is to look at the numbers in this case. Look at the numbers of hospitalized for the booster. For the first week, it was 313 hospitalizations versus the same in no shots, 169. Every category is exponentially higher. 400, 300 versus no shots is 100, 177, 148. More people. So if it's booster shot supposed to be the savior, how is it saying how it's just continuing the same problem, which is exactly what you'd expect from taking the same shot that doesn't work. Here is death. Same exact point. There's no misunderstanding this. Two doses versus unvaccinated. Look at the breakdown. I mean, this is shocking. Now, just because they want to move the goalpost and say, go to three and only look at the third one, they were screaming that two doses would protect you this entire time. And right now, the 
not only in Scotland is the, the, the number, the majority, way higher for those that are taking two doses, but we also have the percentage. Look at the percentage. In every single category, 1.69 unvaccinated per 100,000 to 6.55 for two doses. That's a three, almost a three and a half time increase. Your risk of dying if you, in, in this week was 3.5 times higher if you had two injections. The next week, 5.41 versus 7.14. Third week, 7.6 for the unvaccinated versus 12 in the fully injected. 12 per 100,000. Finally, it ends up with 10.4 versus 14.05. How do you misunderstand that? They are playing with you if you think you can just jump down to the next one. And again, my, I'm, I'm telling you, this category will explode when the time aligns, when we can have the time for the people that just got the third one to later get even more sick. Understand, these people over here in the third dose category are the same people over here dying. You see what I'm saying? Like these are the people that are getting sick and dying from two doses. And then you're just giving, that they're not that they're dying and then they're still in the third dose category. These are the same grouping of people. Some of them are dying, which then pretty much guarantees they can't get the third one. You see what I'm saying? So it just it's going to continue to expon, ex, uh, exponentially increase the problem. Now, the reason we're saying this is because of the data backed up by the scientific research that shows what this has been doing to the body and how long this continues to grow and circulate the bloodstream, what that can do to your blood vessels and what it can do to, I mean, it builds, guys. And the more you take it, the worse it gets. This is what Dr. Bakhti and plenty of people have been trying to warn you about. Nobody wants to uh, to explain why this data makes any sense or why it doesn't challenge everything else, I should say. Now, moving over to the next part of it, we also have, to just quickly summarize, we have in every category, again, in Scotland, higher numbers, higher risk percentage-wise in every single category, especially and very clearly when you add all of them together, the one dose, two dose, three dose compared to the people with none, which is how this should be done. And by the way, not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that's the that's the, the honest way. Here's week three from last week. And you can see, as we showed you, that it's the cases at the very least are almost double in most cases, which is alarming, which backs up the same point. Pandemic of the injected. Spreading, 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 catching, catching. Now, the point that somebody just made before is that they shifted this from two dose compared to unvaccinated to three compared to not, not injected in every category. And you know why? Because right now, just like we're seeing in Scotland, the two-dose category is exploding. And they don't want you to see that. So they jump to the next one. So this is continuing to push out, and you're comparing people from the very beginning to people that are... I mean, this this is a very dishonest way to do this, especially when that very category that you're hiding is ex will show you exactly what we're talking about. Then, when you include these numbers of the third dose along with the two dose, you very clearly see that the risk is higher. This is playing games with the data. And this is exactly what we were trying to suss out and how they were doing it before, and somebody found this out and exposed one of the ways. But before we move past it, here's last week. Let's jump over to the new one. Here's this week. Take a look. It's even worse. Look at these numbers down here. And the people that have the most risk, still three doses, by the way, 50 and above, look at the risk breakdown. I mean, in this specifically right here, you have a, I mean, it's almost a double risk, almost a two-time risk. But most of these, here's this 40 to 49, is almost five, is 4,499 4, per 100,000 
compared to the uninjected, which is 2,389 per 100,000. There's no misunderstanding this. In the UK, you have an increased risk of getting sick if you've got injections. I don't know why they can lie about that and get away with it, unless you realize that the media is completely controlled in every possible way. This is what that shows you. And then when you compare it to Scotland, you need to realize this is not just some fringe fluke. The reality is, trying to get it on cases where this would stop freezing on me, that the majority, I mean, it's, I mean, even the booster, that's uncanny. I mean, they've never seen that before in this whole breakdown. And now you can see the case situation in the UK as well. That's what it looks like to see a pandemic of the injected. Now, <clears throat> to quickly show you on the other places too, Gosh, I don't know why this is freezing on me all of a sudden. Bear with me. Oh, that's weird. There we go. Finally. Okay. Now, again, without breaking this down, I can tell you just based on the information and what we've already been breaking down, it's just like before. You're going to see this is generally about 80% of the cases or give or take my estimation looking at it based on the last three weeks we've done this on the side of the injected, period. It's just very, very clear. But then also recognize the third dose discussion, right? If we're including the third dose now, there's this huge situation, especially when we get into the the other ways this is framed using these variables and in between these times, which is what we're talking about before. But if the third dose is supposed to be the savior, as we keep telling you, why then does that not represent in the information? Just all you need to compare right now is the not injected simply over here to the third dose alone. Then you combine all three of them and it's very clear. That's when you get the 80, 90%. But look at the numbers, 50 to 59. The booster that's supposed to be the one thing that does it. 239,187 cases in this week time frame versus 19,212 in the not injected. There's just no way that that makes sense. Even if you think the risk is higher, which by the way, It's literally not. This is what's so frustrating. It's literally not. It's literally a higher risk for the people with injections to get sick. I don't know why this is not the end of the conversation. So you have an increased risk of getting sick, and then you also have the majority of cases. Yep, this is a pandemic of the injected, and they're just pretending. I mean, I don't. This is falling apart. I I don't even know why they're still holding on to this. But going to hospitalization. It's it's the same breakdown in the same way, not versus three. But then again, when you combine all three of these, that's when you get the full picture. And when you do that, it's very obvious what's really going on. But just breaking down again, not vaccinated versus the third dose. Right about here, at the very least, it's the same right there, 40 to 49, which is what we keep showing you, the majority, 40 to 49. The risk, or rather the numbers are higher of the most risk. You have the highest amount of hospitalizations of the people who've got the third dose over 80. The third dose. Now remember, these are people with COVID. So it's not like you can just be like, oh, they're just old and fell in there, which is what they're trying to use that argument, even though it made sense before to do that before COVID or before the injections. But here's the reality. These are people that you're telling us have COVID. Well, you told you told them get the third dose and you'll be good. But the the but the 2,668 of them are people that had it and still got sick. But the only 435 of that same category are those who don't have it. It just doesn't make any sense. Like by their logic, 
every, almost every single person who is unvaccinated should be in that number. Would be should be way more. It just doesn't make any sense. Then, just in general, as we keep telling you, the majority of the numbers are in hospital or ICU are fully injected, and we'll back that up in a couple of places as we go forward. Now, deaths, same point. I mean, look at the breakdown right here. Same point, forty and above. It's the same idea, or rather, fifteen above in this case. More people are dying in the booster categories in those ages than people who are not injected. But let's pretend like that makes sense. The highest risk group having the most. Now, when you include all the things we've been talking about, the you, the risk and the breakdowns of the unvaccinated versus not, the three dose versus one, and all the different ways they can hide this stuff, specifically things like this, having the unknowns or the whatever other factor factors they have behind the scenes we don't get to see just lumped into the group that they want it to be. There are people that are admitting they're doing this now, and they're admitting it's something that's used all over the place. Now, before we go over to the next part of this, I showed you this last week. This is the same people that are trying to pretend that this is not what it says. In individuals, or rather the the people out there trying to argue it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. In individuals aged 30 or older, the rate of a positive test, the rate of getting sick from COVID is higher in vaccinated individuals compared to unvaccinated. That is right in their report. Well, here's week four saying the same thing. This is the report from yesterday. In individuals greater than 30, the rate of, so you have a higher chance of getting sick if you're vaccinated than compared to unvaccinated. There it is right there in plain English. Now you can argue that your risk is reduced, but that is not what they're saying is happening. It's just not. Oh, and this was the same report. I forgot I bumped it over here. Now, I will add this up. I have these lists here. I didn't get a chance to do this because I wanted to make sure I made the show tonight with Brian, but I will break this down and keep this running tally because we're going to keep up on this because it's obvious what's happening. Now, we already showed you this part as well. And this is just, this is not to get into the percentage or the risk or any of that. This is just to make the point about the, the lies they spin about ICU. We've heard it from Ontario. We've heard it from New South Wales. We've heard it from all over the place. ICU beds are overwhelmed by the unvaccinated. Well, this is simply false. I don't care if you want to argue the risk is higher. They're being caught. Li- why would they lie about that then? Right? Why would they need to lie if, it, if the narrative is on their side? <clears throat> this was on the 18th. And you can see very clearly that, m- that more than 50% of the people in ICU are people with injections. And then just in hospital, it's over 75. Well, here we are today. Now, it is in fact... maybe a little bit more than 50% of people fully injected in the ICU. That alone challenges what they're saying. Then you can see that people including injections is more than 50%. Same thing going on over here. People in hospital, the vast majority are people that are fully injected. I don't know why we pretend that makes sense. And we keep showing you this breakdown in general for the all time, which continues to show you as, as other places that on top of all of it, that the risk of getting sick in Ontario, is very clearly higher. Right now, your risk of getting sick is higher if you have injections in your body than if you don't. 78 per 100,000 versus 102 per 100,000. It's almost a quarter risk. It's 25% risk higher of getting sick. And then your risk of going to the hospital. I mean, it's, it's all right in front of you and they're just pretending it's not there. Now, here is New South Wales. Same point. We, they just lied about what's going on in their hospitals. This is the report ending on January 16th. 53% of the people in the ICU are fully injected. 53%. 70 if it's just hospital in general. 
They just got caught lying about that. Now, this was just the same report from the from the the breakdown, same idea. Oh no, the, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> this one was 7053. Oh, it is the same one. Excuse me. I'm just I got I just got confused there. 7353. Same report. Now, moving past New South Wales and these reports, we just discussed Alberta, right? Great article from Joel Smalley here. Alberta just inadvertently confessed to fiddling the COVID vaccination stats. They got caught, right? That's what happened. I'll include this article for you to check it out. And this is the important part. They were dumping groups of people that were 14 days within, like, so one day and one dose in 14 days or two dose in 14 days or three dose in 14 days. These numbers were getting dumped into unvaccinated exactly like we were worried they were. And they got caught because they pumped out the information and then pulled it back and deleted it because it exposed what was happening. Here's the actual graph that showed you almost everything was happening within the first first 14 days. And all of that was being dumped into unvaccinated. This is what happened. We are, we just went over this in the previous show. Actually, I forgot I should include that. <clears throat> For those that want to watch the last show, even though, hopefully you know where to find this stuff today. There we go. Here's the last show. Very important. I mean, this is, a, is great work finding this stuff out here. This was the tweet that just, uh, I think Metatron's the one that actually discovered this and he's the one that reported on, on his Substack or yeah, Substack. Oh, I think that is his Substack. Okay. So it's him, but regardless, it showed you that in this case, this is cases, but here's hospitalization. Look at this, or excuse me, this is, uh, deaths. 55.6% of all the deaths they report happened within 14 days of the first injection. The first now, remember, they were kicking people out of the trials for having stuff like this happen too early under the argument that, well, it could have been the injection because look how fast it happened. Well, that's exactly the point. That's why you had people kicked out who would have been people that showed you the side effects early on. This is an effort to hide this from you. We'll get into that more in a second. Now, here was the report again, and this is the Wayback Machine showing you the actual graph still on their report. And here's the updated version, which doesn't have the graph on it, hiding the information from you. Oh, and the point being where it says right here, this is the important part, right here. It says right here, 71% of cases were unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks from the first dose. So they're literally admitting to you on the Wayback Machine version that we're just including people that got the injection but didn't go past two weeks. Two weeks. Then we have to realize that it also discusses Uh, right, uh, right here, diagnosed with COVID at four, the second dose, not this part, but the next part we're going to get into. What about the second dose in 14 days? What about the third dose in 14 days, right? Well, guess who followed up? They've been fiddling again. He says, I woke up this morning to many reports that the Alberta COVID-19 dashboard had been messed with again. There was apparently a notice for a short time saying they were fixing an accounting error. <laughs> Oops. But when it came back, guess what? There were substantial shifts in the cases and hospitalizations and deaths. Yeah, accounting as we alter all the information to make it look the way we wanted to from various vaccinated classifications all into the unvaccinated. Then almost as quickly, these errors were fixed and they were reversed again. <laughs> Seriously, think about how crazy that is. When I discovered, what he discovered is that the movements of the data correlate with the first 14 days of dose one and dose two. We knew it. In other words, the movement of dose one to unvaccinated is equivalent to dose two within 14 days. Exactly. 
We already had the evidence of dose one within 14 days moved to unvaccinated. I think it's safe to assume that the huge dump from dose two was therefore dose three within 14 days. They're kicking it back. They're trying to hide this in categories that they're now dumping backward and then hiding on the reports. That's exactly what we're seeing here, right? Right. If they're dumping these risks back into the risk from dose two, that's how you're hiding it right now. This is very clear. I knew this was happening and I'm so glad it's being found out because they're just kicking this stuff back by using these categories and shifting it one way or the other. This is unequivocal, guys. At the very least, we're catching them and people are admitting that they're doing this in Germany in other ways. This is huge. Now, this is what we discovered is that overall, almost 37, excuse me, 37. How do I do that? 73,000 cases have been shuffled down from one classification to another due to the first 14-day manipulation. 73,000. The biggest shift by far is from dose three to dose two. And that explains what we're seeing today. It is no wonder the dose two case rate is off the charts. Exactly. We were just looking at that. And now that's why they're removing that from what they're showing you and pretending, look at how great dose three looks. Gee, I wonder why. Note, this is not a waning of immunity leading to the erroneous conclusion that a third dose is required. This is simply an artifact of shifting all the dose three events, 74% of them at any rate, into the second dose classification. The time has come for published health, a pub, for published health agencies public health agencies to come clean and start reporting the data as is ra- as is rather than manipulating it for the spurious post two week window of efficacy, which by the way is erroneous, which that's a rel- I mean, it is erroneous. It is absolutely erroneous. There's no reason that shouldn't be reported other than what Pfizer said in the beginning and governments and literal public health agencies supposed to hold them accountable followed suit. The game was up long ago. He says time now to play fair instead of fast and loose with people's lives except that's exactly what they do. Now here's Aaron, uh, MD point, Aaron, uh, Kirati, I forget how to pronounce it, MD, who you should follow, pointing out Pfizer has intervened in our FOIA request with the FDA for release of their vaccine safety data. Right, because that's what you do, right? Pfizer's honest, and so they just jump in and try to stop you from seeing what they're, what's going on, right? Is that what an honest company does? Which the judge ordered to be released in eight months. DOJ lawyers for the FDA argued that they want Pfizer's help in redacting those documents before they release them. Public, the documents that should be public about what they're forcing you to take, they're going to redact with the help of the FDA. So the FDA initially asked the judge for 75 years to slow walk the release of this data. As Aaron Siri found out, the judge said no. Now, because of that, the FDA wants Pfizer's help in redacting the data before it's released. As he says, who does the FDA work for? So fine, so we, we get them to release it with it not in 75 years. And so instead they go, okay, then we'll just hide it all from you. Transparency, right? It's amazing that people pretend that this is what good and honest people do. This is them hiding their criminal activity. And if you can't see that by now, you're choosing not to see it. Now, on top of that, and everything we just reported before we skip into the next part, as HHS, or excuse me, DHS has reported, beginning Saturday, January 22nd, which has already taken place, DHS requires non-U.S. individuals seeking entry into the United States have to be fully vaccinated and have proof of vaccination. What about the fact that these other places around the world don't even have a system for that? Oh, too bad. Looks like you've technocratically been boxed out of our country. Oops. Isn't that funny? But the point being, How does this even remotely make sense with what they have been forced to admit recently? If they can still catch and spread and the higher viral load and everything we already talked about, this is knowing, this is obviously completely subjective. 
Even the mainstream media is coming out and going, well, these mandates don't even make sense if they can still spread it. They know that. This is just towing the line. They're just keeping it going. Like I keep saying, and the narrative will continue. If they are catching and spreading Omicron more than anyone, which is what we just proved to you, at least in Scotland and the UK, as the data shows and can have higher viral loads, this is nonsensical and wildly unscientific. Okay, in the UK or Scotland right now, you can have this and be spreading it more than anybody and just waltz right into the United States without having to prove anything because you have an injection. Or rather, with proving your injection. But the point being is not to suggest that that's okay, but rather that that's okay and you're more likely to spread it than the person you're boxing out. That is what it looks like to make an unscientific, irrational decision based on politics. Then we can realize how absurd it is that they're playing this game and shifting us and pushing us in to still get the third dose right now. Right now with that data we just looked at. As I said recently, she, they simply altered the term to up to date so as not to scare the doubly jab from their side. They're now no longer fully vaccinated. Even though they're pretending it's still, they're, they're making sure they still feel like you're good, you're good, but just get the third, you need the third, and you won't be able to get into that place unless you're up to date, but you're still fully vaccinated, which means nothing. It makes no sense. You just got, you just became an anti-vaxxer if you're not going to get the third dose and become up to date. Fully vaccinated is no longer meaningful. So it means exactly the same thing is the point. The new term, up to date, and all associated, uh, and you're no longer fully vaxxed, and all associated with that if you don't have the booster. We tried to warn you. And this is despite all the current evidence revealing that this too will drop off almost immediately. The booster. Meanwhile, natural immunity remains lasting, durable, and robust, likely for the rest of your life, according to the NIH, WHO, Nature, Science, Science Mag, The Lancet, and on and on and on and on. But we're crazy because that's being ignored, even though Walensky just, I'll talk about this in another show, came on a, on recently on TV today, oh, and, and, you know, immunity gathered by having the infection. Oh, did she just actually say natural immunity? Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, we're pretending it's not there, ignoring it, not factoring it into passports, but you just said it's there. That's how grossly dishonest these people are. They're aware of it. They don't care. Even though their reports tell you that it's making, that it is the best. That's how crazy this is. But as somebody followed up on this that I wanted to make, this is just going off of what I keep, what I just said. And this is absolutely right. Worse, it allows for data manipulation, right? Shifting into up to date. Now, not only are they going to play the game with what is currently there and whether or not that includes, you know, they can play with the statistics just like they're doing with three to two right now. But on top of that, the number of fully vaccinated people in hospital in 2021 can now drop off precipitously, right? Are we really going to pretend they're going to keep different metrics for different periods of time? Oh, so 2021, we're going to, we're saying fully vaccinated, but we mean two. And in 2022, we're saying up to date, but we mean is three. No, he's right. This is going to retroactively manipulate information from before. You're going to have people, they're going to hide things. Let's put it that way. This is very clearly going to be manipulated. And let's make sure we're clear again, and I'll just include these for you to see. The up-to-date, and yes, on preprints, information we have about the boosters all tell you that it will drop off immediately, almost instantaneously. Rapidly declines over just a few months. And here's the main, most important one. And this is 2021 December. It says very clearly that in the second month and became small and significant into the third and fourth months. The same decline we're seeing is what we observed from the second dose. So it's going to happen on the third. It's going to happen on the fourth. Why? Because it's the same damn thing. They know that. They're just trying to keep giving you stuff until they can give you the new one. But with all this being said and what they are telling you themselves, expert panel backs fourth COVID dose. Fourth. 
in Israel, the expert panel is coming out and saying we should give this to everybody over 18. Even with everything we just saw, even though they know it's going to wane, even though we know there's a dramatic, I think it's, you know why? I think it's because they already became acutely aware of what they've done to themselves. They've created a situation where if you don't give them that booster quick, you're going to have a dramatic 76% increase in the risk after three months. So even though they know it's not really doing anything, what you're doing is staving off the problem that you created with the boosters, with the shots themselves. Just my perspective. But here's the craziest part. This is what we just saw. Israel, and this is why I think that's happening, because their own trial from the Sheba Medical Center, this huge study came out and said, in the world's first, the fourth dose was not good enough. And yet, they come out like the next day, and that's what I said in this tweet, and say, expert panel backs the fourth dose? You just said, your own research just said that it wasn't good enough, yet we're going to give it anyway? I think that's because they're like, hurry, 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 because it's going to explode if we don't get them these things fast. Only the un- the injected, mind you. But again, how do these two titles, days apart, even remotely make sense when you realize that none of this is being driven by the science? That's how. Well, Israel's moving to approve the fourth mRNA dose for 18 plus, with the most of the nation already in three. Israel is shattering records, despite all of it. Active case count stands at 580,000. One out of every 16 Israelis currently has a confirmed COVID t- right now, even though the vast majority of them are injected right now. Well, let's pretend like it all adds up, right? That makes, uh, it says that makes for four shots in well under f- a year for most people. Talk about over and an- vaccinating and antibody production. For two years, Israel had a variety of hard lockdowns, mass fax, passports, extreme government intrusion and surveillance. What did it accomplish? Israeli taxpayer, taxpayers paid a premium for Pfizer, reportedly the highest per shot on record. With Pfizer working on Omicron shots, most of Israeli population is about to be coerced into taking a fourth shot for the original strain, which no longer circulates anywhere. That's what we need to realize. And I've been saying this from the beginning. Why It's amazing how things we've been telling you for eight months are just now finally squeaking out into the mainstream discussion, the quasi-mainstream discussion. It's no longer, if you're, de- the moment that Alpha and these things came out afterward, you were no longer taking something that was relevant, let alone all the way here where we are now. And on top of that, it's creating a situation prime for antibody-dependent enhancement, which is increasing the illness and issues and body react reactions to this of the people who are injected, which doesn't get counted on the hospitalization, the deaths of what they're claiming are COVID-caused. That should be included in the risk that we're discussing here. But they're trying right now to get them to take a fourth shot while they know it's not going to work because they're rushing out the, f- the fifth How I mean, ask yourself how that makes sense, unless it's because they know they've created a monster. Right now, as you show, and this is the same point, we already showed you this, highest anywhere in the world right now. With everything they've done, and they've currently done everything right. They spoke, they've reached herd immunity, Fauci would have said, months ago. 80, 90%, long time ago. But that didn't work, did it? So that's either not true, right, that that's even which I don't agree with, or the bottom line, that this is something that is not with what they're doing, and the injections are, in fact, creating sickness and illness. Now, here is just a, a, one additional point to that from Ian Miller. Israel has the highest case rate in the world, which is true, with masks, vaccine passports, and boosters. And they're pushing for more. Shocking. Israel's the world's COVID vaccine laboratory. For those that are going, that's not true. Don't forget, that's exactly what Pfizer called it. The chief science officer of Pfizer called it the world's lab, right? Back in September. 
Well, if Israel's COVID situation is a preview of coming attractions for the rest of the globe, then we are in for an unending world of trouble. Israel's rates are exploding. No, that's underselling it. They are exploding within an explosion. There are numbers that have never been measured before anywhere on earth. These are numbers. Case rates are absolutely annihilating previous records. And guess what? It is the fully injected spreading this more than anybody just simply by math. Because if that's happening that much and the vast majority of people are in that location are injected, that are the, they are the, and by the way, that's the fact. But I'm just saying before I even looked into it, it's basic. If 90% of the people eligible are vaccinated, you know that the majority of this, if that many cases are spreading, are vaccinated. Then that should demolish the idea that this is only happening because of that small portion of unvaccinated. They just don't care about this stuff. It's all narrative today. Israel did everything right, they said. And they're just about to roll out a fourth. Now, here is a really important article. Our relationship with COVID vaccines is just getting started. Make sure you understand that this is what they continue to tell you if you're actually listening to them. It's not going to go back to normal as they keep trying to tell everybody. December 29th, 2021. Walter Baker has, since the fall of 2020, had five doses of COVID-19. That's correct. Five. This is the United States. He's already starting to ponder when he might get a sixth. This is not a joke, by the way. Here's what's crazy before we even keep going forward. I promise you this is not an isolated incident. We're, we, people are over here being attacked, literally put in positions where their life is being threatened, such as the guy in, in the transplant, because they won't get one of these shots that will also put them in risk. Meanwhile, here's a guy who's putting his life at risk by taking, I mean, even CDC and the FDA would say this is dangerous. We don't know what's going to, we don't know, this hasn't happened anywhere. We, nobody's tested this. We don't, this, this could be toxic for this. I mean, there's a lot of things you could argue, but this is not acceptable. They would argue you're not allowed to do this. And mean, but nobody seems to care. Nobody's trying to go after this guy. No one's trying to get him and attack him. It's virtuous in their mind because he's going above and beyond. That's how this gets framed. Six shots. He's right off considering six when only the third one's even barely being discussed in this country right now. How is that even happening? How is it possible that he was able to get those extra shots in a location where they're supposed to be checking this stuff? Because they don't care. They're giving shots to anybody. I've been telling you this from the beginning. Not, not that it's that loosey-goosey in every place you go, but that's why children are getting them. Because they don't really care. Oh, well, we know it's safe and effective, so go ahead and take it. Yeah, that's been happening from day one. Barker, a 38-year-old office worker in New York, received his first two doses a year ago as part of an AstraZeneca vaccine trial. AstraZeneca. Isn't that one? Who cares, though? But the shots, which haven't been authorized by the FDA, couldn't get him into some venues. Sick of having to test every time he went to a Yankees game. So instead of realizing it's the system being created around you that's driving you there, not the injection they're using to dangle in front of you, right? instead of doing that, he went further in. Barker nabbed a pair of Moderna injections. How exactly? Who administered them? Where was he? How did he lie to them? Is there not a criminal activity going on there? He just give you two more doses regardless? Then, when the government urged boosters, he figured, I'd rather be safe than sorry, and then got another one. Plus, he told him that he'd also caught the actual virus between AstraZeneca and Moderna shots. So not only has he gotten five, but he got sick in the middle of all of it. Because it's working, right? That's how you know it's working. Now, Barker's stealing himself for the possibility of a new booster or two every single year. So he's thinking about a sixth, and he's considering another one on two every year. You realize that this is like, this. these are the people lost in the narrative. While we're over here warning that it's going to happen, 
the media is going, you crazy, you're crazy. They're in there going, oh, I think so too. So we all see this. It's just the fact that other side of the people, other side of the narrative are expecting this. It's like they think it's a good thing. Even while the media is shouting us down for being conspiracy theorists. I've never seen a more convoluted, broken situation in this country. It is bad. Given the clip at which the coronavirus seems to change, quote, here's the experts telling you something. So they call experts. Katie Gostick, an infectious disease modeler at the University of Chicago, she says, I do think we'll have to keep updating the vaccine. Keep updating. Not just once, but continually, which means it's forever. Think back to the clip we played in the beginning. Fauci going, you know, we may, well, if we're lucky, we'll get another pandemic. And yeah, exactly. And a universal, and we'll get them. They can trust. They'll make all their money. Yeah, exactly. A future of annual vaccinations would almost be a relief. Maybe that's why they're doing this overwhelming you so they can find, don't worry, we'll just revert back to one every year. And then we'll be like, we won, right? Well, the ignorant ones will think that, and that's exactly how this stuff works. And someday, there probably will be a fourth dose. Oh, but that's fake news, I thought. Oh, but they're allowed to say it in the mainstream, right? If not more, oh, exactly. Experts told me this. So experts are telling them, yeah, well, fourth and fifth, that's where it's going. And meanwhile, we're being censored for telling you that's where it's going. Isn't that great? Many immunocompromised people who don't respond well to vaccines already need them? Like, I'm actually baffled by the inconsistency of logic in these... It's almost like the inconsistency is the logic. Like, this makes no sense to me. First of all, as you've seen me point out a thousand times, this is the most up-to-date research from the community document in regard to Pfizer. November 2021, European Union documentation, it still says, missing information used in immunocompromised patients. Immunocompromised. Exactly what she's talking about. Right? It says right here, the safety profile of the vaccines for immunocompromised patients is not known. It's not known in immunocompromised individuals due to their exclusion from the the clinical trial. Okay, that is the most up-to-date. We don't know if it's safe. We don't know what it can do to them. We don't know what it might cause in their body, especially when we're talking about the dysregulation, the immune system stuff, the weird HIV crossovers, and whether that is exactly what this is driving for. Why didn't they test them? At the very least, if they didn't test them, why now are they pretending that they should do it? Like you, I mean, here's the craziest part. This person is literally saying they don't respond well. That's why historically immunocompromised people don't get the vaccines. But yet somehow in the COVID clown world, that means they need these first? I don't even understand how that makes sense. I don't understand how any, why is that still even a point? They already need them, the ones that don't respond well to vaccines, right? Even though we know it's not safe because we haven't tested them. Give it to them first. <laughs> I, that's apparently logical though, isn't it? Or the fact that old people hasn't been, haven't been tested on. Give it to them first. Or that we don't know if it interacts well with the flu vaccine. Take it with the flu vaccine. We don't know if there's long-term safety. I mean, none of this stuff is there, but yep, but we're, we're crazy though. Goes on to say we might, for instance, pivot to an Omicron-specific vaccine in a few months. This was written in December 2021. Do you realize that us saying that, that they came out with this in the moment that was stated, that they might pivot to it? How would you know that right then? That was already in the cards. Right now is the point. We're in a situation where Omicron is seemingly the least thing we should be concerned about in this whole process, but they're making a specific injection for it while there's other variants they tell us are already popping up. And why did they do it for Delta, the ones before it? It makes no sense. But they're still going out with it because that was the plan. If Delta's still around in the spring, though, we'll have to verify 
that Omivax, that Omivax, is that what it's going to be called? We'll find out, works against both variants. What do you mean both variants? What about all the others? I mean, you know what I mean? Like it just, it doesn't make any sense. And then why would we have to wait and find out? How about the fact that natural immunity has already been shown to continue to make antibodies and maybe and T-cell to all of them, including Omicron and ongoing variants of concern. Meanwhile, let's just hope and take this new one. We'll take your, make sure you get the first three of those, then your new Omicron, but you're fourth of the first one, but then they can take the first Omivax and then maybe a booster for that too, just to make sure that it can, and then maybe works for Delta. We'll make a Delta Vax after that. Yeah, this all makes sense, right? No matter what, our next dose probably shouldn't be an exact repeat of the ones we've been getting. Excuse me? Isn't that what we're saying? Now they want you to start thinking like that because they're trying to shift into rationalizing the new thing that they're just about to come out with. Well, now they can admit that what we've been telling you and being censored for this whole time, Right? that they're giving you something from day two or whenever it shifted that does not apply to what's actually in the world, if you even believe that's what's happening. No matter what, they say, our next dose probably shouldn't be a repeat. Why? Modeled on the original SARS-CoV-2 spike. Why? It might not be ideal for the immune system to be told yet again, this is this version of the spike to pay attention to. What does that mean? That that's not the spike to pay attention to. So they're admitting to you that you're getting something that does not create the situation you need in your body. So why, for example, would I go out and get the first one? Why would I do that? If they're right now going, well, I shouldn't even take the third one because that's not right. Right. So I'm going to go and get a third one that applies to something that's not in existence, then a second one, and a third one, or second one, and a third one apparently, and then wait for the Omicron to get so I'm up to date? This is completely irrational. Why would anybody get the first or the second or the third of something that they're admitting is not the right thing to take? I mean, even if you believe these are safe and right and safe and effective, why didn't you just wait for the new Omicron one? Especially if you know that you're getting given something that doesn't actually affect and say that all it does is increase your risk in a lot of ways while producing antibodies for something that's not actually there, which could then increase your risk of antibody dependent enhancement. Yeah, this is crazy. That's this is that spikes pretty much defunct. They're admitting to this right now in real time back in December 2021. I guess I would make it real time, but it was then. <laughs> the point being, again, why, if it's defunct, would a second make a difference? Why would a third make a difference? Why would a first one make a difference? <clears throat> Excuse me. Such a tactic would be, uh, would be like asking students. This is crazy. Such a tactic. So taking a right, taking any of these right now is what they're saying. Any of them. They're trying to model like a third one only, but taking any of them. When it's, make, when it's making antibodies for a spike protein that they're telling you is defunct, would be a tactic like asking students to study a decades-out-of-date a decades out of date textbook before a grueling final exam. Right, that's, that's the truth, right? But then listen to Fauci on the news telling you to get your first shot. How do you make sense of this unless you're, we're aware that we're being deceived? Immune cells could, in a sense, get hung up on ideas that are no longer terribly useful. Exactly. I mean, guys, this is just absolutely shockingly obvious. Now, there was a, I think that, that was the main point. Now, on top of all of that, if they're literally admitting to you that do- getting this dose now is useful for anybody while we're dealing with Omicron, quietly over here, hoping that the injected will see it and get the next one or, you know, get the next one and wait for the Omicron while people over here don't see it so they'll get the first one. 
They're selectively releasing information to people in certain locations. I mean, this is wildly dishonest. As Jordan Sachdell points out, six pack. Oh, you didn't hear? They're already telling you it's going to be six. You have to get, oh, it's going to be a two dose regimen for next year too. Fauci pressed forward on three additional Omicron specific mRNA shots. Pfizer announced Tuesday to great fanfare from the cattle class that they are officially starting trials for an Omicron specific COVID vaccine on their novel mRNA platform right here. Clinical trials, Omicron specific right now, right? Which will take what? How long? Is it going to be two years? Well, then it's too short, right? And if it's not two years or if it, I mean, I don't care if it's two years, if it's six months, if it's a month, the world will be different by the time that happens, but we'll just keep pumping it out. Even though Omicron is not something we should even be concerned with right now. Anyway, if you think, if you don't think this was planned, the moment that Omicron was even disuttered, that they jumped into action to make a new injection, they were just waiting for the next move to jump in with the new injection. It just either turns out or however it worked out that it wasn't the one that was important, but they keep going. You see, that's what narrative is. The projected protocols protocol calls for an additional two dose series. That's coming from Pfizer. Additional two-dose series followed by a booster some months after the back-to-back shots. For people who are already triple injected, that can make a six shots in total over the course of the next couple of years or even sooner. If Pfizer soon receives expedited authorization for its latest formulation, which we can have no doubt that they will. Right. An emergency authorization because we're still in an emergency, they claim, which is a never-ending thing for the rest of your life. Approval is a thing of the past now. It's an emergency rushed out thing, so they don't have to prove that it's safe. You see how that works? Six, changing the formula is a newfound endeavor for Pfizer. I disagree with that. Tromethamine and all the other discussions, but it's happening. They're now admitting to the things they've been doing. They they have not sufficiently explained, and this is the important part that we're all trying to focus on, they have not sufficiently explained why they did not make new shots for previous variants, which were repeatedly much more threatening than Omicron, right? Recipients of the current injection continue to receive a shot formulated for the original strain, which has not existed in circulation for a very long time. There also remains no FDA-approved COVID vaccine in the United States. They say it's there, but they're not making it or releasing it for you. All of this matters, guys. I mean, this is incredible. Six shots, new mRNA-focused platforms for specifically Omicron. Oh, but meanwhile, here's the point as they make this new thing for Omicron specifically, and they're trialing it right now. Oh, oh, stealth Omicron already happening. What is that? What's stealth Omicron? Is it Omicron? Is it a variant of Omicron? If it's a variant of Omicron, isn't it a variant that should it be called something else? Who cares? It's just some other new way to play with this game. Oh, maybe this is because they're now trying to say, no, Omicron's actually not that mild. Yeah, we're seeing that come out too, even though that's so stupidly obviously not true. But now they can be like, well, it's because it changed, but not enough to call it something new. Or how about this is just something related to that damn monkey story that's now being called Omicron, even though it's not. I mean, who knows? That's the point. It's meant to be nothing means everything means nothing. Nothing means everything. And you are just going to fall back into apathy and be like, whatever. I don't even know what to do. That's the point. Stealth Omicron sub a sub variant. Now we have sub variants of the variants. And this is absurd. New sub variant of the Omicron coronavirus variant. BA2 was detected in California was expected to spread quickly. Okay, is it dangerous? Evidence suggests it will spread even more quickly. So we don't know? Great. So let's yell about things we have no idea about, just like it did with Omicron. And remember what we first said right when it came out? Based on the data, Omicron hype. And we were censored for it, and here we are. Weird how that keeps happening, isn't it? 
But guess what, though? It's not even considered a variant of concern. But we'll be sure to scare you about it sufficiently so you know, oh my God, it's still Omicron. It could be dangerous. Yep, that's the point. Hard to detect this one. Spreads rapidly. Hard to detect. It's, you know, almost like it might not even be there, right? Maybe we now have a S gene and an, uh, what was it, a, a gene dropout, whichever the other gene was. You know, whatever. How about we start realizing this could literally be just false, like not you're getting a PCR test that says nothing's happening and they go, oh, but that's, that's now a positive, just like they did with the S gene dropout, which before that was a negative. Is this the flu? Is this the new respiratories happening every year, this time of year? Who knows? Narrative, the narrative stone to stone. We don't get to stop to think about it. Here is Johns Hopkins telling you, and this is from, uh, where was it? Oh, right there. Uh, no, that's weird. You know, I don't like how some of the, they don't like, especially places like this, the CDC, a lot of them just choose not to put their dates, which I don't know why. It's pretty weird to me. But you're right here saying in December 2020, it gives it some sort of a date. But that's the, the point is they're talking about Corona variants, COVID variants, what you should know. And here's an important part that I want to read. Quote, and this is Ray, where was it? Oh, for crying out loud. I read it a moment ago. Now I'm losing where it said his name. Stuart Ray, MD. So the doctor, and he has to say, quote, the more people who are unvaccinated and infected, the more chances there are for more mutations to occur. Okay. So is that only the case? Is it only when unvaccinated people get infected that happen? Well, no. I mean, we've, this is very clear, and the next paragraph makes that clear. So why would he frame it as the more people have, or maybe he just said it other ways, and they chose to caption just that way, because that's how mainstream works. But the way that should read is very simple. The more people who get infected, the more chances there are for mutations, which is how other at least honest reportings have covered it. And that is the truth, if you believe this is how this works. From within that argument, that's how that's supposed to work. That it ch- every time somebody gets infected, it has an opportunity to change. Then you can pre- re- think about previous research around vaccines in general for things like leaky vaccines and how that has been shown over the over the history to promote the transmission of more virulent viruses. And all that really means it amounts to a, a vaccine that doesn't stop it from transmitting, but it arguably lowers the risk of the person taking it. But that, of course, doesn't include the risk of everything else the injection is causing in that body. They're only talking about the illness itself. I think that's how this worked out and it rushed out and it's hurting the people they didn't plan for it to. Just a thought. Either way, it's very clearly a leaky vaccine. So that is causing these things in a general sense. And that's been historically studied before this many times. So that increases that on top of it. But so anybody spreading and catching this can increase the mutations, but they just frame it a different way. Limiting the spread of the virus through maintaining COVID safeguards, he says, gives the virus fewer chances to change. But that's actually incredibly not true. If we're talking about people, what he's meaning there, and this is based, you can see by the next paragraph, is that they're arguing things like masking and vaccines will stop you from catching and spreading it. We know that's not true. We 100% know that by now. So that is why that's not fair or even valid. The safeguards aren't stopping transmission. Therefore, they don't stop the potential mutations. It also reduces the spread of more infectious variants if they do occur. But no, it doesn't because they're not stopping the spread. You see my point? This is before they admitted transmission stopped or doesn't stop. But it says vaccines are the medical miracle of 2020, he says. 
but we need to reemphasize basic public health measures. Okay, so then they're the miracle, but you need to wear a mask, social distance, and ventilate indoors and get limit gatherings and take your... But it's a miracle, though. It saved everything except nothing. See what I mean? And why in the world would vaccines be the miracle of 2020? You see the point? They were already heralding mRNA as the new miracle, and that's not even vaccine. Because this is totally part of the plan. But it's amazing. Oh, and then it goes on to say, oh, that was the point. So the miracle, except we need to go on and do these masking, distancing, good ventilation indoors, and limiting gatherings of people in close proximity with poor ventilation. We give the virus an advantage to evolve when we congregate in more confined spaces. Okay, so you understand the point, right? He's, he's talking about vaccinated people. It's a miracle. We all got injected, right? But we need to keep doing the public health measures, even if we're injected, because we give the virus an advantage to evolve when we congregate. Exactly. It's any type of transmission. And it's even more high likely to, tra- to change if it's leaky, which is what it is. Okay. So this is written at a time when they didn't admit transmission was not stopping. Now that we know that, the whole thing falls apart. The, if you're that, and that's exactly why going back to this, it's you're, they're spreading it more than anybody. The increased spread, the increased risk of spread, and on top of that, what we're talking about here is obvious what's happening. The variants are being created by the rapid spread amongst people with a leaky vaccine that are dramatically increasing this, which is continuing to hurt the people with no antibodies or T-cell or maybe B. Don't forget the people with mem- with actual natural immunity, which is those that are resisting this, are continuing to be fine. That's why this is continuing to compound on the side of the vaccinated, in my opinion. And the same point, again, like it's, it's so crazy to me that we're talking about this Omicron, it's everywhere. Meanwhile, it's like, how do we know that? I want to reference that again. How can it be that at the end of December, they were saying it went to 23% and then like on January 1st, it was back to 90% Omicron. I think their lies are falling apart everywhere. Now, I've got about 15 minutes left. I want to finish off with a couple important points here. This is in regard to myocarditis and the collapsing athlete conversation. This one is really frustrating to me because of how they framed this. This is so insulting. So anti-vax Olympic champion dies from COVID age 51 after taking the shot. Right. So he's an anti-vax while he took the shot. That's in the same headline. Oh, and by the way, he was outspoken about not being anti-vaccine. So not only is he saying, that's not what I think, I'm just concerned about this one, and then takes the shot, they still call him an anti-vax. I mean, do you know how insulting that is for someone, one, that just passed away, an Olympic champion, mind you, to just to disparage him as an anti-vaxxer, even while he said that's not what he believes? These people are disgusting and it's so shameless that they go for their narrative that they like, think about how that they're trying to make it out to be that we're using these people to sell our argument. That's exactly what this is. They are using the death of this man and almost celebrating it because anti-vaxxer dies. Even though you could point that out happening all over in all sorts of situations on the other sides too, but this is the mainstream media, right? They're supposed to be above this. We're supposed to be the ones making a lot. It's the, they are children and that's gross. It says Olympic gold medalist Sylvester Kozlani, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, has died from COVID age 51 after initially refusing to take the injection. Right, which is unheard of, right? You're not allowed to say no. Oh, but it's your choice, though. Don't forget, it's your choice. But look at him. He said no. Can you believe that? Right. It's so silly we even remotely pretend like no was ever an option 
It's just, we, again, this is why we're the people that are believing that are children. Like, like I baffled that you can tie your shoes in the morning. If you genuinely believe that we're still giving a choice, but he dies after refusing to take the injection, which should have been his choice, which was his choice. And the only reason he took it was because you forced him, coerced him into doing it. Then he died, and you still blame COVID. The Hungarian gymnast was jabbed shortly before being taken ill, reportedly in order to keep his job. So you you forced him into being, he had to take it to continue to coach the thing he loved. And their argument is, well, of course, because he hadn't developed antibodies yet. Right, so you gave him a shot that if he had natural immunity, if he, like, let's say he had already caught it and didn't know it, because even the Lancet article says very clearly that it, regardless of disease severity, you'll have natu- natural immunity that can last the rest of your life. The re- potentially the rest of your life if you just, you know, get a passing glance with this and don't even know it. And that's a lot of people in this country, as even plenty of the other research has shown, that the majority of uninfected adults actually had immunity. But so here's the point. So this is a person who might have actually had natural immunity. Then they force him in to get the shot and then argue that he didn't have enough antibodies and that's why it's not the injection. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, the only reason it was COVID is because he just didn't get, enough, didn't get enough antibodies yet. So why can't we stop and ask the question, is it possible that the injection led to the situation? Was it possible that it wasn't even COVID? Nope. Off the table. We're not even allowed to broach that because you're you're crazy. Well, again, whether he had antibodies were irrelevant before because it removes them once you take the injection. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Now, on top of that, which we've reported many times, they still dismiss as fake news, even though it's been backed up and then deleted by the Red Cross and Dr. Bauer and plenty of other people that try to sidestep how real and obvious that is. There's a, the, the, one of the biggest parts here that I'm going to get into more in a moment is the idea of what na- immunity actually is. And they're playing this game with antibodies, acting like, well, if you don't have antibodies, well, you don't have immunity. Well, that's not true. Because if you, let's just, I mean, that's, that's not true for either side of this. If you got sick a year ago, and had natural immunity and made antibodies to fight it off. And then it went away. And a year later, you don't, you don't keep making antibodies. That's not how that works. It's they wane and you keep the memory and the T cell and you end up in it. And if, you, if it comes back again, you start pumping those out again. That's how that works. So right now they're playing this game where it's like, well, you, you know, we're, I'm, I'll, I think I'm going to get into this in another show, but they talked about this very quick antibody test to find out if you're immune. Well, no. Because even the people who take the injection shouldn't be making antibodies forever. And if they are, that's why they're getting sick and having antibody-dependent enhancement. But on top of that, you're going to test people with this thing and go, oh, nope, sorry, no natural immunity. There's a test for T-cell, member B, that doesn't matter. It's a manipulation. The same thing kind of happening here. But it says, he shared posts reflecting anti-vax views, which who cares? This is their framing. This is what they frame as anti-vax views. I'll show you what he actually said. And joked on Instagram, he had vaccinated himself with vodka. Well, you'll see what he said. Now, all of that is enough to dismiss this Olympic champion with a lifelong career of being a champion in the Olympics, representing the country you're writing from, or excuse me, it's Mir, but whatever. 
and just disparage this person who just died after doing the thing you coerced him into taking. I can't even wrap my mind around how gross that is. And here, even worse, anti-vax views. Well, first of all, he revealed that he took the Johnson & Johnson, which is the worst thing you could put. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I actually think Pfizer is much more dangerous. But he contracted COVID late last year and became seriously ill before being placed on a ventilator. Which, by the way, why is that even still happening? On Monday, the athlete lost his life. Now, here's what he actually said on Facebook before they forced him into this. Quote, I just want to understand. I'm not against or in favor of the vaccine. Really, don't know what's good. And this video shows exactly why I don't know. So now today, not knowing for sure is anti-vax. You see what I mean? This Olympic champion literally said, I am not anti-vax. Not literally, but said, I am in, I'm not against or in favor. I just don't know. I'm trying to find out. Anti-vax villain deserve to die. That's kind of the sentiment, right? Anti-vaxxer agree, finally dies. This is just disgusting and despicable to me. This is why people like RFK Jr. or Robert Malone are out there literally saying, I am not. In fact, I support injections in every other context, and they still call them anti-vax. That is how willfully ignorant these people are, or just blatantly dishonest. And that is the entire mainstream media. Left and right, mind you. It says, the information they give is nonsense. Oh, anti-vax, you can't point out the obvious and how nonsensical their information is. If they can explain it logically, then everyone will surprise themselves a long time ago. Oh, what a villain. Alongside a bottle of vodka on Instagram, he wrote, quote, I vaccinated myself and you didn't have to wait weeks for the repeater, which is called a joke, which they, apparently they have no understanding of when they can frame it as something serious without with text, which he wouldn't understand. This is a joke being made. Does he? Are you really trying to frame that he's arguing that, va that that vodka was enough to vaccinate himself? This is they are trying to make this look real. That's bad journalism, and it's frankly dishonest. From I mean, and they're doing this to a champion. This is how disgusting these people are. All right, this is what we're seeing everywhere. By the way, wow, my wife got the booster a few weeks ago and still got it. Yet we have more friends not vaxxed, not getting it but only 80, 38 more boosters to go to battle the variants they are coming up with. Well, we also know the Canadian soccer player, Alfonso Davies, was sidelined by myocarditis, they claim, after COVID infection. Same thing. Oh, it's the COVID after the jab, right? Which we pretend that's not happening either. But Viva Frey chimes in. I'd like to know how the, quote, experts established that the myocarditis was because of his bout with COVID despite being doubly injected, which he is, and not the injections themselves, right? Does it make me an anti-vaxxer to ask the question? They'll say yes. Am I now racist and misogynist as well? They'll say yes. But ask yourself this. How do they know that? Right? Okay, so they're, well, they're going to say because, well, we've established that COVID can cause myocarditis. Okay. So you don't know for sure. You're erring on the side of your assumption. Well, we've already established that the shot can cause it too. So you're just pretending that's not there. That's his point. How were the experts established? They didn't establish that because they know, and I've seen many times, that it's almost impossible to connect an injection with these side effects. And that's, I think, the lead uh, medical examiner from Pittsburgh made this argument on the record that if there is literally no connection to what's causing it and they just had the injection, that's a clear example that it's likely the injection. 
because they don't, the, the autopsy will not connect it. So these experts are just subjectively deciding that because that's narrative and that's how that works. Even though he's already got two shots and the risk is happening and it's exploding all over the world. 495 up to 541 since last week. Gosh, darn, it's disgusting to me. And this is just in this year or last year and into now. And that is already more than the last four year total from the FIFA study. But let's pretend like it's all, we're all conspiracy theorists. It's not happening. Just stomp your feet, close your eyes. Oh, don't miss the fact that myocarditis due to COVID was not a thing until after vaccines rolled out. Check it for yourself. Check out myocarditis in general. And then note that right about the time when these things rolled out in mass, myocarditis went through the roof. Yeah, but it's only because of COVID though, right? Because COVID was happening as of April 25th, 2021 forward? No. For those on the podcast, it's basically, well, you know, statistically speaking, a flat line until April 25th, 2021, then it starts to spike up because people are researching it because they were getting it. But all the way back from 2020, the whole year, it's weird how there was no myocarditis happening. Isn't that weird? Sort of how there was no variants happening either until boom, they explode with the injections being given rapidly. But it's all fake news. You know how it goes. Well, here's a JAMA study based on passive surveillance reporting in the U.S. The risk of myocarditis after receiving an mRNA injection has was increased across multiple age and sex strata and was highest after the second vaccination in young men, males and adolescents and young men. On top of that, myocarditis following immunization with mRNA COVID vaccines and members of the U.S. military. Now, I'm going to follow up on some of these later as I'm short for time here, guys. I want to finish off. Last two parts, Denmark no longer classifies COVID-19 as a socially critical disease. Don't forget that the UK has already said it was a, a disease of not, of not high consequence all the way back in May 2020, March 2020. Still been that way, still listed that way in the UK. Yeah, we're all going to die. Here we are. They're now too calling it a socially, a, not a socially critical disease. That's right there in front of you. And they're rolling back what they're doing. As I said, meanwhile, in the budding U.S. technocratic gulag, your children with minimal risk are being forced to take an experimental injection they don't need that increases their risk dramatically for something many parts of the world have already admitted is not that dangerous. Welcome to the clown world. Here's the, uh, this is the prime minister. Corona restrictions are passed on Tuesday. It's all rolling back there as well. And finally, I, these just points are so frustrating to me. I have to, let me see where I'm at on time. I wanted to play this. This is so ridiculous. Oh, it looks like you already sent me the link. So I'm going to have to take off in a couple of minutes. Bottom line, I'll play this in another show. This is Barry Weiss from that episode on Joe Rogan where she didn't even understand. She used the word toady in response to people talking about Assad and didn't even know what the word meant. This is the, the Times writer who's now suddenly going, I know COVID is, you know, this is all crazy and this has all been fake and masks don't work. And this is not real, guys. These are opportunists in my mind. This person is a lock, stock, and barrel narrative carrier and just shifting into, yay, fake news, because it's acceptable now. Sort of like Tucker is doing it, sort of like a lot of the quasi-mainstream is also doing it. It's this conversation. What they really mean by living with COVID. She's giving you half the narrative and admission while leaving out the most important parts, and they're still rationalizing passports, masks in some way. Or rather, just living with it in some way, right? Don't use the cloth, use N95s. We all know that now. No, we don't. They don't work either. Not in regard to stopping transmission. This you should read if you haven't read it yet. This is what they're trying to shift you into. And I think people like her are 
agents of that, in my opinion, or she's just a useful, useful idiot being drugged drug along by going along with what's popular in her elitist crowds. But do not lose faith, ladies and gentlemen, because it is everywhere. I was going to let this play out. It's two minutes, but Freedom Rally in Brisbane condensed to se by seven times. Look at how this is everywhere, guys. The world is rising up. It's time for you to do the same. Here we are. I'll play this in a later show. Dr. Peter McCullough speaking out at the Freedom Rally. We also have rallies here in, in Helsinki. It's everywhere. People are rising up, guys. It's time to do the same. It's time to stand up and join people and fight back against what's happening. And I'm never calling for violence. That is never my intention. Violence begets violence. But it is time for change. And not change like they're talking about. Change like the greater reset. Change that is human-centric and focused on what you want. To make your own choices in your life. Not somebody else. I love you all, guys. The pandemic of the injected is painfully clear. Time to wake up other people. Jump over. Uh, to be rich after hours live. I'll be there in 30 seconds. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men Blinded by the promises, unknowingly sold despair. So leave your herd of sheep and follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends. The world that you knew has changed around you, it's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Revolution. Revolutions now It's happening all around you If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare So arm your fellow man As it's become destructive To its own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Now it's happening all around you. 
If you cannot see Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare To arm your fellow man Cause it's become destructive To its own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for The revolution Revolutions now It's happening all around you If you cannot see then Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine It's time for you to rise up Rise up and prepare So arm your fellow man They become destructive To their own ends world that you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are they ready for Are they ready for Are they ready for